Picture this. It's blazing hot outside and you need to head to work. You get into your car and turn on the AC to get the cold air pumping as soon as possible, but it doesn't work. Instead, blowing hot air out of your vents and directly into your face. No, your car doesn't hate you. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the air conditioning system, and there's an easy all-in-one solution that will restore your cold air in no time. There's no need to go to the shop and pay lots of money when you can save time and money recharging yourself with AC Pro Recharge Kits. AC Pro Recharge Kits make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience. And the AC Pro app offers clear, vehicle-specific instructions to help you get the job done in less than 10 minutes. So pick up an AC Pro Recharge Kit at any store selling auto products and confidently restore your car's cold air yourself today. Be a pro with AC Pro. The following is a production of Dirty Mo Media. Welcome to the Dale Jr. Download. It is yours truly, Kelly Earnhardt Miller. This is actually a little bit uh, different segment, the business of motorsports. This is something that I have I've wanted to do with you for a long time. Do business-related podcasts. Do business-related episodes. Open chats, right? Open yeah. chats about the business concerns of our industry, which there are many. I hope this um, series opens people up to the, the broader, bigger picture. All right, welcome to the Bojangles studio in episode 496. It's part five of the Business of Motorsports, and I'm Kelly Earnhardt Miller, and I'm here with the lovely co-host, Mike Davis. Well, How I'm are you? you the, the, the regular host got way more lovely this week. I mean, you, you, oh, are, oh. you, you are way more lovely like, than Dale Jr. I called the wrong. I called, no, no, no. no you <laughs> are it <laughs> definitely more lovely than Dale is. But no, it's good. We haven't done a business in motorsports in a, in a while. And it's so good to be back and have you back in here. It has been a while. And um, so long. That there's some cool new diecast out here from our friends at Lionel. That is true. They came I've and they brought seen, gifts. I know. I haven't seen this new um, late model car of uh, Dale's, the Bass Pro Shop car. Some cool new stuff out here. So, yes. Look at that number five Hendrick Cars car. It's pretty sporty. Oh, my gosh. It's, yeah, yeah. And Dale was ecstatic. Yeah, the Looking Lionel, good. Lionel hooked us up, uh, and that was nice. A few weeks ago, they brought those gifts. So In all honesty, Lionel. even the new um, cup car here, I've... I've, because our store only has the Xfinity cars, I don't even get to see those very often too. So, cool stuff. Yeah, looking good. So, how you been? You good? I've been good. Um, yeah, uh, seemingly crazy it feels. Um, but that's just the world, right? Just, that is. Uh, every day, all day, we're doing something between trucking around with Wyatt Racing, working um, for uh, on this, that, and the other. Um, gosh, lately uh, school started back, so that always throws right. You, right. you have the same issue. That always throws a wrench. Yeah, I love the routine of school, but it's like... We're still trying to get into our yeah, routine. Right. It is. It uh, takes a while. It's something. Um, and this week, we've got the homecoming thing. That just disrupts the routine, right? Like, now you got homecoming. Homecoming dances. Homecoming dance shopping. All that stuff. I mean, my gosh. I just did that. Yeah, it's Yeah, I'm crazy. coming off homecoming from Kennedy, so yes, I hear you. You know, I also want to uh, compliment you and uh, and one of your kids for sure because, um, and I'm, this isn't the business of motorsports, so, but we, we got some <laughs> We had to catch up. We got to catch up. You know, last week, Dale and I went to Lernerville Speedway up in Pennsylvania, and Wyatt came along. LW did too. Yes. 
but Wyatt came along. Wyatt stole and the show. And this was the first time. I mean, Wyatt's in our office all the time, and he and I, yeah, he'll come into the office. We'll putt. We'll do stuff. You know, I got a little putting green there. But this was like the first extensive time that you got to spend with Wyatt, or I got to spend with Wyatt. And man, he is so funny. First of all, he's brilliant. I don't know if his grades at school match his uh, intelligence in racing. Yeah, they do. He's a good. But student. oh my gosh. <laughs> I thought Dell is sort of like Rain Man when it comes to knowing numbers and drivers and paint schemes. I think Wyatt actually might have a beat, certainly in the sprint car world. Uh, Especially for that. his age. For he his is age. nonstop on YouTube. I always can hear him listening to old racing broadcasts, sprint car, NASCAR, motorsports. I mean, he... For the longest time, he was watching um, Dan Weldon's kids. I had no idea. Like, I, he, he was talking about their names, and I'm like, how do you know that? And he's like, I watch them on YouTube, Mom. So, like, all these things that he does. I know right. us parents are supposed to know everything our kids do, but, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, he is. it's like an encyclopedia sometimes. So, not only uh, does the kid got talent behind the wheel, and we, not, we all know we love watching him race and how he's sort of ascending and, and doing all the things that, uh, that he's doing, he also is quite engaging and fun to be around he really well, I'm is glad to hear that because there was a time where he was super shy he was and right. even in interviews for his racing and stuff he's still you know a little timid he's gotten a lot better um so I was I was excited to see that I listened to um the the Thursday show of that week when we were on the airplane the videos and yeah well was, the airplane was a good example of like we were dog tired <laughs> a, after leaving the racetrack and we Dale and I were like you just want to like do this later like we had had the crew there and they were planning on they left early to go set up the airplane and the cameras and all those things and we were like oh my gosh we're just dragging but it's like wait a second if we do this another time we won't have Wyatt right he can't uh, miss school and, for that. And, and so <laughs> we assumed that, right? What about the fact checker job? Did he get the fact checker job? He is a fact checker. <laughs> he is a fact checker because he is the one that knows more than all of us. Like, he is really good at that. Yeah. So we did that. Uh, however exhausted we were, we wanted to do it when we had access to Wyatt. So anyways, I, I couldn't well, wait to come back it, and I'll tell you that. That, that he, was a lot of fun. It. He loved it. Um, so go ahead. All right, yeah, so today um, our ally guest is Josh Jones um, from Kevin Harvick Management Incorporated, and um, we're going to talk about driver representation, which is really fun. It's really, it's kind of weird at the same time, because I feel like that's what I've done for Dale all of these years. Uh, I, that is what I've done, not feel like. I have done driver representation for Dale, um, but I am excited. I've worked with Josh. You've worked with Josh. Uh, we've worked alongside him on quite a number of things, um, but excited to kind of quiz him and... Uh, uh, see, this is one of the questions that as a mom of a young racer, I always get. Where do I go for sponsors? How do I get sponsors? Who do I need to be talking to? What does my kid need to be doing? And so I'm excited to be able to ask some of those questions. I know my answers to uh, many of those parents out there. I'm excited to hear his answers. He's had a, a long and storied career doing this um, uh, for Kevin Harvick and so many others. So Here's what I hope we get out of Josh today. Uh, we know that there are hundreds if not thousands aspiring race car drivers out there and you know what there's some talented ones dale jr always says that there are way more drivers out there that were better than him you know and he just got opportunities well this is a conversation that those young drivers can listen to somebody about how to get those opportunities how much do you have to pay attention to your brand how much do you have to pay attention to your social media what about negotiating your contracts? What about just getting, you know, on 
you know, influential people's radars. How do you do all these things? Yes. Dale Jr. had a lot of, you know, things done for him. Did a lot of work himself. Yeah. You know, Wyatt, born into born into situations that help him out. That yeah, give him absolutely. A, like, nobody's denying that. But there are a lot of incredible race car drivers out there and they're, that, that may would love to make a living, make their careers out of racing. How do you do it? Well, that's why we wanted to have Josh Jones. Josh Jones doesn't even consider himself an agent the way you don't your title was an agent but then right. you both end up representing drivers when it comes to getting them their jobs or their next contracts and all that josh does this not only he's not only done it for kevin but he's also done it for a lot of the other drivers that khi represents and so he's a perfect person to have in here to talk about this very thing yeah he's he's perfect i'm excited about it so let's get down to it let's welcome our ally guest josh jones There he is. There you are. There he is. Hot diggity. Hey, Good. Good. Is this you right here? This is you. This is you. This is you. The hot seat. The hot seat. Oh, the hot seat. Kelly, I got to tell you something. As, as Josh puts his headset on, I got to know. Josh. I think we're doing his first ever interview like his first like he doesn't do interviews oh, wow. awesome. you know most of these guys don't we they are special they try to stay behind the scenes and i understand why but this is uh he might be nervous are you nervous but no, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't do these. I, uh, I get asked a lot to do different stuff and talk about it, but I'm just the guy behind the scenes. So I try to stay behind the scenes. So when Mike, when you called me, I said, I'd do this. Wow. Well, so. Why did you do it? Why did you say yes to us? <sighs> a couple of reasons, a couple of reasons. My first one, I'll, I mean, you were with me when I came into the sport and there's only a few of us left when we came in. I mean, I started in O2 with Kevin as PR and you and me went through that whole deal for a while. And, and I mean, I did some other stuff too at the time, but that was kind of a focus of mine and you're kind of the only lone survivor left besides me. <laughs> I think you there might be, be three a like minded company. <laughs> yes. You've been around a while. Haven't yes. We? Yes, you have. Well, I'm glad you said yes, because, uh, you know, the business of motorsports has been pretty popular so far. This is our fifth episode. Um, and this is a topic that I've really wanted to talk about in terms of driver representation. And, um, I get asked often about, you know, how do you go about it? What do you do? So on and so forth. I'm sure you do too. Um, and so it's a great opportunity for us to have that discussion. So, but I think first you should just kind of set the field. What do you do? What are you doing now? Um, you know, what do you do for Kevin KHI? So still KHI, still vice president of sports marketing, kind of, I kind of put myself as like a business manager. Um, I don't, I don't consider myself an agent. Yeah. We were just talking about yep. that. I, I don't either. I, I don't, I don't, I don't like that word. Um, whenever I think of that word, I think a lawyer Yeah. and the first thing, cause it is contract negotiation, stuff like that, but I do a lot more than just that. So I don't look at it like that. I, I look at it more of PR marketing sales, um, keeping my athletes out of trouble. Uh, mm. That's a big part of it. <laughs> Not so much in the NASCAR world, but, but in other sports, I mean, that's a key. Um, and then just kind of being a, a middleman. I'm a, I'm a middleman for a lot of my sponsors to clients, uh, sponsors to uh, the sport, the governing body. Um, there's a lot of times where our, our sponsors have a lot of problems with getting activation and we got to be there. So uh, uh, a lot more than just an agent manager, but it's, it's across the board. Well, what's your title? Uh, Vice President of Sports Marketing. 
and okay. entertainment. So, but that's that's kind of that that's what I tell people. I just use the word VP. It's simple. <laughs> so, what do you do? I'm just the vice president of a sports marketing firm because there's nothing that we don't do. I mean, yeah. right right now, before I came in here, I was sitting in the parking lot finalizing Kevin's foundation events. Yes. So I kind of work on that <laughs> stuff too. So it's a little bit of everything. That's what, when somebody asked me what I do for deal, I'm like soup to nuts. I mean, I can be working on investments. I can order lunch. I can be negotiating a contract. I can be babysit his kids, babysit the kids. I mean, <laughs> you name the cars it. Tour. Yeah. Running the cars tour. I mean, you name it. That's what we're doing. Right. 100%. So, yeah. So, um, KHI, number of employees kind of the setup because you just said it i thought of a couple of things relationships are one that's mm -hmm. what you do right mm -hmm. but number two you wear a lot of hats you know it's not like i i know there's not this big vertical organization and you wear a lot of hats mm -hmm. and so there's five yeah. five or six six of us <laughs> that we're small we're a boutique yeah. agency yeah we're not looking to be massive uh we whenever we do land a home run with a client whether it's a golfer or a ufc fighter against a big agency it feels good because we're small, but, but we're, that's what we are. We're small. We've got seven or eight NASCAR drivers, a couple UFC fighters, PGA golfers, but we, we basically put all our emphasis on making sure our sponsors are happy and our clients are happy. It doesn't matter if it's on the track or off the track. We want everybody to succeed. That's, that's our goal. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Kevin is one of the guys I think about and I often talk about when it comes to keeping sponsors partners we want to call them sponsors partners for a long period of time we know that when kevin came here to jrm yeah. he brought some of his uh his you know long partners with him and when he left they went with him <laughs> and when if he jumps he can go and do whatever they will stick with him and it's like wait a second that that can't be luck that's got to be something deep into the core what is it josh how does kevin harvick keep all those sponsors and how does that carry over into what you guys have built in a company um kevin himself i mean he's he started this company but i the one thing about kevin that you'll learn that and you've known kevin for a long time you too kelly it's like it doesn't matter if it's he's mad he's happy he's being a parent if somebody reaches out to him whether it's work related client related customer he will stop his what he's doing and work on it and in this case he has a relationship with these sponsors they're not just sponsors they're friends they text kevin after races whether he wins or loses, they'll send him a text and kevin responds back he's that kind of driver that kind of owner of his management company that he communicates with them directly a lot of our a lot of our guys in our sport that have done this for a long time there's a middleman between the sponsor and the driver but kevin has never had that it's always been Hey, Kevin, how's it going? Good. I actually just got off the phone with Hunt Brothers Pizza today, and they want to do this. Awesome. If they call Kevin, we're fine with that. That's a relationship that we have. Kevin has always been hands-on mm. with our company. Uh, it doesn't matter what we're doing. I mean, he, is, he sits in our meetings. He gives us huge input, him and his wife, Delana. Delana sits in a lot of them, too, especially on the PR side. Um, but they are hands-on, and you don't have that in a lot of places. A lot of these owners of these management companies, they're not hands-on. But he is 100% hands-on. We ask him, hey, have you ever heard of this race car driver? Hey, have you ever thought about getting this golfer? And if he's about it, we're about it. So we're, we're just one big family. And you got to look at the people that have worked for, for Kevin. Fred's going on, I think, 23 years. Say who Fred is. Fred Lexi's our president. Okay. Um, Fred has Fred's basically the guy that keeps us out of trouble. <laughs> um, he started a long time ago um, with Kenny Irwin. He did Greg mm -hmm. Biffle stuff. Kev, he's been with Kevin forever, but he he basically keeps Kevin and I straight. And <laughs> and when we have a question, we call him. And, and I love Fred, and he's been around with us forever. So Fred's our president, um, and then there's myself, 
And then there's Cindy. Cindy is our office manager, human resource manager. She's been there longer than me. I mean, I'm 20 years, so she's got to be 22, 23, um, maybe even longer. Um, and then Kelly's been with us. Mm -hmm. Kelly Kahn's been with us for almost 10 now. So we've been, our, our people are loyal. Our yeah. people are loyal. So Alicia worked with us a long time ago. She left for a couple of years and she came back. So uh, we're just one big family, whether it's our clients or our employees. Has Kevin always been hands-on like that, like from the very beginning of his career to now, would you say? Because, I mean, I've seen drivers, Dale in particular, evolve and grow, yeah. right? So mm -hmm. I'm just curious if Kevin... Um, I would say going back to our shell days. Yeah. When he was, he, he used to sit on those shell calls with RCR, come up with ideas, way to do paint schemes, way to do marketing stuff and all that. So I would say it started then. And then you fast forward into 2012 when we closed the KHI doors. Um, so the Harvick fam Harvicks could have a family. And we just kind of, we had the infrastructure already there with employees and the sponsors. And we just kind of rolled it over to a sports marketing firm. We still had the building, we had everything. So it was an easy transition um, from one to the other. And it was just Kevin for basically about a year. And then when I just asked him one day about opening the doors and bringing more clients in, and then it just went boom. Let's talk about that. Yeah. Whose idea was it to, to go from race team? I understand why the race team closed. You said that so they could go build a family. Um, but whose idea was it to go do sports marketing? Cowboy Cerrone, our <laughs> UFC fighter. Okay. Uh, Texas Motor Speedway 2012. He came with a sponsor called Tap Out. They were doing yep. some big clothing line promotion at Texas Motor Speedway. Um, we had some mutual friends. They introduced us to Cowboy. Cowboy came over to Kevin's bus. We were still sponsored by Budweiser at the time. So it was after qualifying on Saturday, and they were sitting on the back of outside of Kevin's motor coach and just drinking beer. And Cowboy said, I need some of this NASCAR money. You guys have sponsorships like there's no tomorrow. He's like, I've got all these small sponsors on my UFC shorts. I need some, I need some big sponsors. So we kind of laughed it off then in 2012. And then when, the, when the, they decided to shut the doors, and let me go back to the, when they shut the doors. When Kevin and Delana came into Fred in my office back in 2000, late 2011, beginning of 2012, and just said, hey, after the season, we want to have a family. Can't do both because they were so dedicated, mm -hmm. kind of like you guys mm -hmm. are to your race teams. You, you can't do both. It's a lot of work. And you guys know, mm -hmm. I mean, I think you just said a minute ago, you babysit the kids sometimes mm -hmm. too. So it's a lot of work. So <laughs> we basically took that uh, and said, hey, we'll do this. We'll, we'll, we'll give us a year to start closing the doors. We want to make sure everybody had jobs. We sold the race teams to a couple different teams. Richard Childress kind of absorbed some of the teams. We had a, we had, um, a gentleman come in that won the lottery. I can't remember his name, uh, bought our truck teams, Joe Danette. Joe Danette bought some of the truck team stuff and everybody was fine. I think we only had a couple guys that ended up not having jobs. Um, so we, we closed took a couple of them. We, yeah. Our yeah. stop foreman today. Came, yeah. Came yeah. Down. So, the, but, but we made sure that people had jobs, um, made sure the sponsorship went, we, we brought some sponsorship dollars here too, to run after the RCR days. Um, but we did all that and we did it in a way where Kevin had a vision and his vision was to don't just shut the doors, shut the doors over time, make sure everybody has jobs and do this. That transitioned into this sports marketing uh, company. But Kevin, came in my office one day we were just sitting there just working on his stuff and he was like you think we should get cowboy and i'm like for what and he was like manage him he said he was looking for a manager at texas in november when we talked about it and i was like i mean i guess we can we can look into that and we ended up talking to him and literally three days later he was like i'm in so it went from one step to the next step and, and we went from cowboy and he got us hooked up with the UFC female champion, mm -hmm. Misha Tate. Misha, yeah. Misha went into Rose Namunas, who's a female champion, and it just started doing this. And then we had a relationship with Jason Gorn, the PGA Tour. 
And we called him and he was still with the management company at the time. But we told him that we had some interest. And then sure enough, like three weeks later, he called us and we went from Jason to the Wells Fargo winner, James Hahn in Charlotte, to another golfer, to another golfer, to another golfer. So it's a ladder. And that's how many. How so how many athletes do you represent currently? Uh, I think we're at 12. Okay. I think we're at 12. And, and that's that's a lot. Yeah. That's a lot for yeah, the employees for, we have. Especially for the size of it the is. thing. And yeah. we have we have all different we have all different kinds. We've got a bull rider. Um, we had a motocross kid and rider. He was really good, but we didn't know much about the motocross stuff and he was getting ready to get to the level where he turned pro. So we passed it on to Ricky Carmichael's group, RC four management group. So we kinda passed them on. But we're mostly NASCAR and PGA golf. Still have some UFC fighters. Um, still have a bull rider kid here and there that we're working with and Nicholas and uh, but yeah, it's I love it. I love a challenge. Do you guys offer, you know, um, kind of soup to nuts from like the personal side of things to, I would say like, um, what do they call those places that have like a family office, right? Mm -hmm. Where you kind of do the banking and yes. investments and all that, we, all the way to sports marketing. Yes, we do. Uh, that's a great question. <laughs> we do, but we pass it on like we have banks. That yeah, we can, yeah. We can, Relationships. We we, yeah, have. we don't tell people what they have to do. Yeah. We give them guidance. Hey, if you'd like to use our people, that's Fred's forte. We pass it on to Fred. Fred gets them hooked up with the right people. Um we mostly focus on the the driver contracts, the sponsorship stuff, managing it, um, uh, just that kind of stuff. The UFC is a lot different. It takes a lot more in the UFC because there's a lot of contracts. There's a regular contract that you're under, then there's a fight contract, then there's your whereabouts clause for the drug testing. So there's a lot <laughs> we have to do in the UFC stuff. That's a that's a very hands-on deal. But the NASCAR stuff, I mean, just like you guys have been doing this forever, you could do a lot of this stuff with your eyes closed. So on the on the racing stuff, Kelly, Kelly I did tell Josh before this is that I, I'm so interested in the UFC side of the business that it's going to be hard for me not to go and start <laughs> asking questions because I'm going to have to really discipline myself to keep this focused on what we have him here today, and that's driver representation. So just know mm -hmm. that there are a lot of things that I'd love to unpack about the difference between UFC contracts and driver contracts. Maybe we'll get there when he does his second interview of all time uh, <laughs> when we talk about the business of... Uh, of uh, well, I mean, that's a good question, though, because, um, you know, good. what if there's... Well, I mean, what if there's up-and-coming drivers that, like, maybe they excel in another sport? So, I mean, <laughs> that's a good topic in terms of knowing well, the differences. Well, yeah. Uh, I mean, that's yeah. a good topic in knowing the differences in the various sports. I'm curious yeah. just from... Because my background is nothing but uh, racing, motorsports. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's different. I mean, the they're all different, but uh, I'll tell you what, the, the thing I like about the UFC is everything is so detail-oriented. You know what you have to do every single day. Every single week you get the track or get to the fights. You know what goes on. Golf, you don't really know what goes on every week because you don't know if your golfer's playing. They don't have to play every week. You know what I mean? But when you have a contract in the UFC, they give you a schedule, and that's what you go by. You don't have... You don't have to go. You don't have to go show up at the hotel. Let's go grab food. They tell you when your break is. They tell you when you have time because you're not really eating in the UFC. You're cutting weight. <laughs> but my point is, they give you they give you breaks. So time the, for UFC, the, dryer. the UFC is very detail oriented. From the day you sign your fight contract, hmm. your media is three weeks out. You got two weeks out. You got to do all your drug testing. You're one week out. You show up to this facility. You have to be there at two p.m. I mean, it's it's a regiment. All these things, though, you did not know the day you and Cowboy are having beers outside of a motorhome. And so when, so when Kevin says let's let's go rep Cowboy Cerrone, who's who was great and a lot, he's a big fan favorite. Everybody loves Cowboy. Yep. Um, how what was the acclamation? How did you go learn that? Like at some point, you had to go from not knowing how UFC works to UFC work how how it works and and and. 
what was that period like? Is it a couple years? Is it what? What is it? No, it's uh, it's getting to become friends with the like the head of PR, the head of marketing, and listening. Then the guy, uh, his name was Dave back then, and when Dave was there, I'd call Dave and say, "Hey, we're uh, we're racing in Vegas this weekend. Do you want to come to the race?" And he'd be like, "Yeah, if we're not fighting, I'll come." And sure enough, he came, and I sat in a suite with him for four hours and said, "Okay." Tell me what I need to do because Cowboy's Cowboy's going to throw me to the wind. I mean, he's going to throw <laughs> okay. me and say, "Get in there, buddy," and 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 you get in there. But these guys said, "Hey, here's the deal: you don't you don't want to go in Dana White's room on fight day because that's a no no. Managers managers are no. Don't go in there. Okay, you can be wherever you want when the fighters are up there getting ready to do their stare down. Back up. Don't be in the video. Don't be in the video. Which I've learned that. Um, and don't try to steal other fighters at fights. That's the biggest thing. And that's don't just like steal. in the PGA. Don't try to say, hey, here's my business card. For clients. Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh. Same thing in the PGA Tour. PGA Tour, that is a no-no. Like when you're on the PGA Tour and you're sitting in the dining room, the player's dining room, and you're eating, and you're hanging out there, you do not go up and try to recruit another golfer. That is a no-no. But in NASCAR? Do we need some recruitment etiquette in yeah, NASCAR? But in NASCAR, I can walk up to somebody right now and say, hey, man, how are you? It's, On it's, pit road, you can't do this. It's a, it's a beautiful, the, NASCAR is a beautiful sport because you can do what you want. Wow. Yes. Who knew that we were in the wild, wild west of all Right, sports? yeah. Right. <laughs> no rules? We Yay, no, for no rules. <laughs> we, we, we might have built a podcast uh, built off of uh, complaining about the rules every week and, uh, you know, all the, all the different... Uh, restrictions but the fact is is that uh from a management standpoint you can go do that now then what is going back to the driver rep so it's interesting that you guys were doing fighting before you were doing nascar if one would make a bet to say that no of course kevin harvitt's company would have gone nascar first and then and then branched out from there so when did you start taking on driver clients well kevin was our first well yeah but i'm not so, counting him so yeah. kevin was our first i would say I would say probably 2016, 2017 is when we started looking at it. Um, the Ricky Stenhouse Jr. is, the, is the, probably the one that comes up first to me because we were going after a couple guys at that point. Um, and the one thing that we do when it comes to like Ricky and stuff, Ricky approached us about, hey, can you help me when my stuff's up? And we were like, yeah, whatever you want to do, we'll do that. And we help Ricky. But the crazy part about helping Ricky is how Ricky's deal came about. We literally got him seven days before he was released from Roush. Oh, wow. So you want to talk about getting thrown to the wolves. Ricky, we got with Ricky. I got him as a client, and I've known Ricky for a long time. He's a good friend of mine. And uh, I was like, yep, I'll help you, no problem. And then we got that phone call. Ricky was just in here a couple weeks ago doing his thing. We got that phone call, and I just was like, didn't know what I was walking into, to be honest with you, because I thought we were just having a competition meeting, and Ricky sent me a text like, you might want to sit in this one, and I don't sit in competition meetings. I, the drivers do all that stuff. I might be the bad guy behind the scene with Fred, and we're the bad guy sometimes, but we won't be sitting at the competition meetings. But when, he, when that all went down, I was like, okay, this is real, because Kevin – it never happens with Kevin. I mean, it's 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 a different situation with them, with their sponsorship and what they owed Ricky and all that kind of stuff. But it was one of those deals where, all right, now it's time to show Ricky what we can do. And thank God, lucky enough, it happened and we fixed it. Yeah, so that's a good question. I, one of your newest clients happens to drive here with us, Josh Berry. And so what, you know, how, how do you go about, you said Ricky came to you. Mm -hmm. I know that there's competition in this um, sport for representation, you know, how do you go about that? What's a difference? Um, you know, what sets you guys above the rest? Do you want to be in that competition? Or, you know, you only yes. want to be a certain size? Yeah, we, we do want to be a certain <laughs> size, but racing stuff. I mean, Kevin's retiring. So with Kevin, 
leaving, it is a huge void. Yeah. Huge void um, for a lot of different reasons. So uh, when Kevin decided to hang it up, we knew a year in advance and he told us and he said, hey, 2023 will be my last year. Uh, we won't say anything in 2022 until the time is right. And I said, okay, no problem. We'll figure it out. But then my, my question to him was, who's going to be the replacement of the four? Because that's a big deal. I mean, it doesn't matter what ride you're in. It, this, past, this past one, it was uh, who's going to go in the 18. And nobody went in the 18. They kind of took the 18 number and parked it and brought the 54 out, which is perfectly fine. But I asked Kevin, and Kevin, at that point, it was like still too early to decide because we were still a year and a half out. But then over time... We started picking up some more drivers here and there, uh, like Todd Gillen and Harrison Burton, and we picked up some young ones as well. But we were to the point where, okay, these guys are all under contract. They, they're not available to drive this four car. What are we going to do? And Kevin is the kind of guy, when it goes back to this driver development stuff, Kevin likes these young kids or these, these racers that can race a lot of different stuff, whether it's a late model, whether if it's dirt racing, Brent Cruz is a good example. I mean, we heard that kid can race anything and he can win in anything. And that's what Kevin likes to look for. Kids that can race a lot of different stuff. If you keep winning at your low short track and that's all you race at, you're good. But until you can go out and drive other cars on dirt, on asphalt, on road courses, that that's, that's the difference. But, but going back to this, Kevin and Rodney, we, I asked him one day, probably in Daytona, maybe a little before Daytona, uh, probably Daytona. It was probably Daytona in July last year. And I said, what are you guys thinking? And Rodney said, Josh, and Kevin had already said Josh too. And that that's kind of where they went with this. But my mind was like, he's got no money. That's my first <laughs> yeah, thing is right. he drives over there yeah. with their sponsors and he does a good job and he wins, but those aren't his sponsors. So I was like, I don't know if this is going to fly because in the way this world works right now in NASCAR, the first question that these owners or these sales guys and managers are asking is, what does he have? What can he bring to the table? Yep. And I thought about that and I was like, these sponsors that are on Kevin's car right now are Kevin's sponsors. Not sure they'll want to stick around in that, but, but over time, SHR came to the equation and said, hey, we'll, we'll sign him without sponsors. And we were like, and it was like old school. It was like, <laughs> you're telling me you want our driver? Like, and it, but, it, but it happens every once in a while. Yeah. Carson Hosevar. Happened I mean, with Josh for yeah. us. I yes, mean, happened with yeah, Josh for exactly. you. So when Josh was available, first thing I did was I texted Dale and Kelly. And I said, hey, we would like to talk to Josh about KHI management. Also, KHI manager representing him and putting him in that four car and trying to sell SHR on this. And they were like, we love it. He deserves it. He's, he's won. Yeah, he can do it. So I went and sat with SHR, talked to them, and... They they were looking at a couple people, but they they liked that. And at toward the end of last year, I forget which race Josh won last year, but he won a race, and it was basically right when we started talking to SHR, and they were like, okay, we're interested. <laughs> and then we kind of let the off season kind of fall through and and go through, and then the beginning of this year, we picked the talks back up, and it was quick. I mean, it literally happened when we went and saw SHR the second time. It literally happened in like three weeks because we had to communicate with you guys to make sure we were good. And I would say that would probably happen around probably the All Star race this year. It was a little before the All Star race because yeah. Josh was in the nine car and nothing was done yet, and it kind of got in there. And then he got in the forty eight, and after he, that was what it yeah. was. He won the All Star. Last, uh, the last, last chance, chance race, race. and that yeah, and, and, and that was, and that was when it was on. They were yeah. like, "Okay, this kid, this kid, we we want him." And that's fast forward to where we are now, and a couple of weeks away from him getting in the four. And so back up to you know, um, uh, him not having sponsorship money or having sponsorship money because that's kind of a question. 
you know, um, with Wyatt racing at 11 years old and, and you're going through this with Keelan also, um, you know, all the parents want to know, how do you get your son, you know, how do you get them started? Where do you get sponsorship money from? And we're in a unique position being mm -hmm. that, uh, you know, the Harvicks and, and our company have relationships with people that we can kind of tie in. And that's always a hard question to answer, but you go back to not having sponsorships and driver representation because in driver representation, when we have young drivers come here, they want to know who can I sign up with that can help me with sponsors, mm -hmm. right? And so there's that dichotomy of how does it work and you know what that looks like mm -hmm. you know in terms of what you guys do that is a that is a big question that's, that's the question i get all the time i actually met with probably five or six kids in the last two months through mutual friends a um, couple really good ones uh i met with this one kid um doesn't live here in north carolina but he uh, actually I met with a couple of them but this one kid the one thing i caught with this kid was he could race he was a really good racer um but his problem was and he was i would say 10 or he's probably 13 to 15 years old his communication skills and his people skills he just sat there mm -hmm. and so when we got done his mom called and we were talking and this was all through a mutual friend and i just said hey the, the best advice i could give him is get him hooked up with a pr agency um get him some media training because if you look at these kids right now like william Swalich, mm -hmm. okay william we we got hooked up with william a couple months ago that kid can talk like he is 30 years old yes, and he yes. is, he just turned 16. His people <laughs> skills, the firm handshake, the not being afraid to talk in front of a camera. When you ask him a question, he'll look you right in the eye and answer it. Those are skills that you need for sponsors. Okay. So you can be the baddest race car driver in the world, but if you can't communicate with a sponsor and they look at you like he's a rock, he just sits there. It doesn't work. So I tell kids right now is you got to we, we do media training right now. I mean, we got Keelan does media training. We, use, we, we, bring in, we bring in some of the Fox people and they do media training with our young kids because they need that. So the first time we put them in a room with CEOs, they're ready. Mm. They can already race. These kids can race. Yeah. All these kids can race. Uh, right now, this sport, even NASCAR, it's a youth movement. I mean, it is a, you're seeing kids from the truck series go to the cup series. When yeah. I got in the sport 20 sure. years ago, that Never. did not happen. No. So my point- Well, and that's the other thing because I, you know, I, I don't, I don't even know if that's what we as a sport won't mm -hmm. right i mean I, certainly as a team owner it's really difficult to get an 18 year old in your car and then represent because that was where my next question was going in terms of consumership like these guys have to be able to influence consumers right mm -hmm. um so yes it's about relationships it's about being able to talk to the ceo but then fast forward to that they've got to be able to influence buyers and consumers and mm -hmm. that's a really difficult thing for that age you know, to also do. It is. I actually, I actually told, there's one, another kid I talked to the other day. He was, it was probably about a month ago, but he was, he was really good. He could speak, he could do it all. But the problem was I looked and, and I'm, I'm not a huge social media fan because sometimes I think social media can be the devil. Yeah. But social media is so good for these kids if they're young to start building their fan base up to by the time they turn 16 or 18. The first thing that we talk to when we're talking with William or Brent Cruz, who's still, who's still 15, mm -hmm. these just young people. Just turned 16. He just got his yes. driver's license. So you, you look at these kids and you look at these kids and why all these kids. When they turn 16 or they turn 18 or whatever it is and you're going to walk into a sponsor 
And, and when you look in there, it used to be the, the VP of marketing, the VP of sales, and the CEO. Now when you walk in there, it's the VP of marketing, the VP of sales, and a social media person. <laughs> and yeah. I, I mean, yeah. I, just sat in a comp- I just sat in a meeting the other day trying to sell sponsorship, and this lady was in there, and I said, and title? And she's like, I'm the social media director. And I was like, this is important. When they got a seat at the table, it's important. So those social media numbers have to grow because that's the only chance you have right now. I mean, on the social media front, you have, when you're a 10 year old kid, I mean, my kid plays travel baseball and travel Mm -hmm. golf. Okay. But we got their social media handles when they were eight years old and I post videos and pictures of them, Mm -hmm. mostly my family, Mm -hmm. but it's now 800 followers, a thousand followers. And who knows one day this, they might be good golfers, might be good baseball players. And they got to want to go out and get an NIL deal. Well, you want to get an NIL deal. The first thing they look at besides your performance on the field or the track is how many social media followers, because when you tag them, are people going to see it? Yeah. So how do you advise that? Because if you're talking about, first off, it's scary, like the age of the kids that are on social media and their ability to be mature about what they're doing or too immature or whatnot. Or the things you're making them susceptible to or uh, yeah. accessible to, yeah. which is the, the bad parts about social media. Yeah, absolutely. And how they, if they're not even mature not enough even to saying, deal with that, right? Yeah. The parents, the parents do it. Well, absolutely. But, go but ahead. how do you, what do you tell, um, so I wrote down, I mean, PR and communication, that's mm-hmm. one thing that they need to be good at, right? Yep. So uh, I want to see if your answer is similar to mine. So the first thing when someone asks me, I'm not going to tell you my answer first, but they say, you know, how do I go about this? So what is not, not, PR what I mean I'm a new kid I'm in racing what do I need to do to like get my name out there when okay what else <laughs> oh you're talking about for racing no just to, to in to, general to get sponsors to do whatever right to network I mean you got to gotta do, market yourself right. you got to build right. your brand your right. brand is your right. brand is you yes I mean that's yes that's what it is I mean I, so look I at say content 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 100 right like 100%. at their age they need to be building that following list and they can do it through content and but then you've got the question of are they the kardashian type content are they the this type co- like, what are that. they right well, the kardashians <laughs> are the ones that do the content without the wins the wins <laughs> correct <laughs> Hundred percent, but but you look Good at point. you look at that. Like there was a kid the other day. He, I honestly, I probably get five or six racing resumes a week that come to mm-hmm. us, whether it's a mom or dad or somebody. But there was a kids I saw the other day, and I looked at his social media, and he had five hundred followers and fifteen hundred posts. I was good with that because it was good content. But then I went over to his YouTube page, and it was big. Hmm. I don't do YouTube. My kids do YouTube. Yeah. A lot of people do YouTube. YouTube is a great place to put your videos, but I, but it, it goes back to, I always run everything by Kevin with these kids. Okay. If a kid called like with the William Swalich, Brent Cruz, I use Brent Cruz as an example. Kevin, when they asked me about him, I asked Kevin about him and he's like, Oh yeah, the dirt racer. He's legit. And I was like, what do you think? Should we talk to him? I mean, and Kevin was like, I mean, I know I, I was one that made the introduction to you. So I went to Stenhouse and I went to Larson, both of them who are dirt racers. And they both told me that kid can win on anything on dirt. And he's a good road course racer too. So we got with Kevin. Kevin started working with his dad and started putting a schedule together and what we need to do. And fast forward a year and a half and he gets a Toyota deal. Mm-hmm. And now he's a, now he's a full-blown Toyota kid. So we did that just because Kevin made him run different stuff. We put him in the T2 car, mm-hmm. Trans Am car. He goes out and wins there. Put him in an ARCA car this year. He goes out and won an ARCA race already this year. So Kevin is a huge guidance to these kids because he knows what they need to do. I can't tell you what you need to race. I could probably help you get sponsorship for it or help you with social media or stuff like that. But Kevin's Kevin is basically the leader for the youth movement at KHI when it comes to telling these kids what they need to race.
What goes around comes around, and what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. For the first time ever, Dirty Mo Media is taking its hit podcast to the streets. We'll be live, and we'll be in front of real people. Uncensored, unapologetically authentic, and totally unprepared, so it's business as usual. But here's the catch. We'll be talking about our real lives and racing like we never had before. Stories that we never dreamed would be broadcast in front of a live audience. Until now. And the only way to hear these stories is by coming to Dirty Mo Live, Dale Jr. and Friends, at the Westgate Las Vegas Resort and Casino. It's Friday, October the 13th. Go to DirtyMoMedia.com slash live or Ticketmaster to join me and Mike Davis from the Dale Jr. Download and Brett Griffin, Freddie Kraft, and TJ Majors from Door Bumper Clear. And we're going to spill the tea on each other. When you have decades-long careers in NASCAR, you have highlights, lowlights, and more stories than you know what to do with. For example, the time me and Mike Davis got in an argument during the race, or the time that TJ Majors went completely radio silent on me while spotting for me during an event. Yeah, we're going to hear those stories and more. So come out to the Westgate Resort and Casino on Friday, October 13th, to see Dirty Mo Live, Dale Jr. and Friends. Get your tickets on Ticketmaster or visit dirtymomedia.com slash live that's dirtymomedia.com slash live to get your tickets or you can find them on Ticketmaster. come join us on friday the 13th for dirty mo live dale jr and friends things are bound to get crazy i'm glad your answer to kelly's question was when first because <laughs> yeah. to be honest with you there, there, there's there's millions of social media influencers i'm using the air quotes i'm using you know and to be honest with you in a lot of industries and kelly you know this we know this to be like true in the in the outdoors in the hunting industry like the people that are influencers in hunting probably not the best hunters or the best outdoors people but they've got but they've they are savvy and they've got the content and and, and all that stuff and it's like it's uh you know i don't know it's a bit disconcerting to be honest with you is that like where people where our kids are putting all their uh you know all, all their interest in if they don't come with the with the the street cred you're saying you better win josh you're saying I, you got to win and i love that because frankly let's keep our priorities aligned here if you want to get into racing you dang sure better be good at it 100 <laughs> percent. okay yeah, absolutely and and to be honest with you It'll spit you out as as quick as it can take you in, and 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 I think it spits you out for a couple different reasons. But one we know for sure: if you cannot win, you're not going to last. Right? That's 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 a fact. I'm glad you said that. Now, when you get them in and they are winners, and you rely on you're saying, Kevin, Ricky, you go to your other guys and say, Hey, does this guy race? They say he can race. Now you take that guy that can race. And now you're going to go polish him. And now what if they don't have, what if they have not built up a social following? What if they don't care about their brand? How do, where do you start first? You say media training, but what, but what do you do with the kid that doesn't know anything about media? What, what do you do with them when they go to media training? Our guys go to media training to learn how to speak because the, the kids that we have, they've been fortunate enough to win. And when you win and you go do the podium interviews and all you're that forced. kind of stuff, you're like, I don't know what to say. Yeah. So you, you got, to, yes. And, yeah. and the word, um, 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 that happens a lot. Sure. So we work with that on, on, on that side of it, but going back to your question, it happens at all levels. I mean, look at my, look at my cup guys. I got cup guys that haven't won. Some got cup guys haven't won at all. 
some of my drivers. Okay. Winning is hard. Okay. So going to that thing too. So winning at your short track level, I mean, you can win, but go win a late model race. And there's a reason Millbridge is getting so big. And so many people wanted to run there because when I just turn on flow and I turn it on and there's, there's NASCAR cup drivers, truck series drivers, Xfinity drivers running dirt now because <laughs> they mm. want to win. They want to see what it's like to win over there. You want to win at everything you do. Now, these young kids that are coming up that I tell, I always ask them, hey, cool. Is, is he a track champion? No, but we finished third last year. Okay. What kind of advice could you give somebody that finished third last year that, that doesn't have it? Do you, one, the first thing is, are you in the right car? Are you with the right team? Well, I race for my dad. Okay, that's fine. You can race for your dad. Does your dad have the right employees? Well, it's my dad. Well, does your dad have a job? He's a fireman <laughs> or he's a police officer or he's, he's a sales mm. guy. We just do it at night for fun. That's great. You don't need representation. Not right now. You need representation when you are, in my opinion, when you are racing for somebody else. Yeah. When you are racing for a different, when you are racing for your family's race team, you don't need representation. Okay? That's fair. You need representation when you are racing for somebody else. When you are trying to get from... A to B to C. Climb that ladder is when you need representation. And I tell these kids, I mean, I help these kids that are in their KHI fold, these young kids, but it's on them right now. I mean, they have the equipment, they have the teams, they have everything they need to go out there and win. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I can't help that. What I can help them doing is if, like, William just wins the ARCA East Series championship. Right now, I'm trying to get more truck races for him next year. Tri Tricon is right around the corner. I'm trying, I'm going to go see Kevin Ray as soon as we're done and just say hi to him. But hey, man, I need, I need more truck races next year. This kid's good. He can do it. He's got a couple top 10 finishes already in the truck at 16. Give him more races. Mm. And we'll find it. Just get it. So that's yeah. the kind of stuff. Yeah, it's such a challenge in our sport compared to other sports in terms of where they can go play league ball or go play, you know, school sports, et cetera. Um, there's also a similarity that a lot of those things take money as well. And, and that's something that some of the parents for me, you know, don't really get sometimes. It's like, well, this is so expensive for me to bring my kid out to Millbridge to race our car, to do whatever. You know, I need sponsorship. I need this. Well, it costs, I don't know, three, four grand to go do some travel ball from some of the parents I hear oh. about, you know, seven oh, grand, eight least. grand, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, pricey. and um, so that's, that's, that's a, that's a <laughs> thing that I fight in trying to, you know, communicate with parents on, um, the age and what they're doing and you know you're talking about brent cruz and these guys are 15 16 but their parents have been racing with them since you know whatever age i mean brent's raced since he was about three so talented yeah. um kids got uh, seven championships <laughs> on seven different continents uh, and countries or something it's I mean, incredible. He's pretty, these pretty kids are amazing. good but yeah. like you said like you said these i mean it doesn't matter what sport if you if if you have a kid and he wants to be a professional athlete it costs money. Yeah, you got to. I mean, yeah. you want to play golf? These 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 15, 16 year old kids are golfing. They they live in North Carolina. They're playing in Phoenix. They're playing in Charlotte or California. They're playing in Florida every weekend. You want to be? I mean, cheer moms. Cheering is expensive. Yeah. But it doesn't. I mean, travel hockey. I mean, I got a buddy that lives in Florida. Tells me how much money he spends on his son's travel hockey because because they live in Florida. Yeah. So I mean. All sports are expensive. If you want to invest, it's an investment. And to your point of moving around, I like that one too. And yeah. not, you know, not being uh, uh, stuck still at one home track or whatever that might be. Moving around. That's my biggest thing. Getting acclimated to those tracks and being able to win. And not that, you know, I mean, you, it shouldn't take you years yeah. to do that. Yeah. Right? I, I told somebody the other day, <laughs> so. a kid was from uh, South Carolina. He was a track champion in South Carolina. I can't remember his name. But yeah, he, he called me. I talked to him. Great kid. And... He's 16 years old, and he told me, hey, I got, 
I think he said like $200,000. I get $200,000 a year to race. What should I do? I'm, I'm, I guess he's 16. And I told him, cause he's trying to get a name for himself. And I was like, car tour. And here's why for $200,000, you can find a decent ride in the cars tour. Yeah. The cars tour right now with Justin Marks, Kevin, Jeff Burton, and Dale Earnhardt Jr. Those guys, they see it. Mm. I know, and me being who I am with Kevin, I feel like a part of that series as well. I know half of the field every week now. I know who these kids are. I love many. I, I just see these guys' names and see who these are, and and Lane Riggs, and, and, and all these guys that are racing right now are becoming household names in the Jones house because not only do we watch the races, but I know who these kids are now, and some of them are getting Xfinity rides, some of them are trials, some of them are getting truck rides. That's where it's at for these kids. Yeah. And I'm not just plugging that because of these people, but that's a series where now the ownership is a part of NASCAR. Who own, you got two of them that own a cup team and an Xfinity program. Yeah. You got two of them in the TV booth. You got a couple Hall of Famers. I mean, they know it. And these guys walking around the garage, I've been to two races already, seeing these guys walk up to Kevin and Dale and talk, that's what it is. Yeah. That's, yeah. I mean, those. I mean, one guy asked Kevin, how do I get to KHI management? We've had a couple of them ask. And Kevin's like, you don't need us right now. You just keep doing what you're doing here in the Cars Tour, people will be calling you. But that's what it is. That's yeah, such a good that's example. A good point. Yeah, because, you know, by default, we start paying attention a lot more to the Cars Tour. And now all of a sudden, I have my favorite. Manny's a great one. Butterbean, I like watching mm -hmm. him. And they're getting opportunities now. Going back to the example, though, you gave Josh, when you say uh, $200,000, a kid says $200,000 I got to, to race on. Do you guys have an idea about, do you go, pour all of that into the race team or do you carve out a percentage to work on the other things that you you all talk about because it sounds like both of you are saying that there's some investments to be made early on that you can do for yourself to uh you know to to go ahead and start building a foundation of some sort that may come pay off later on if you start if you continue to win and all those things so how much money does it cost just to do the things that the, to, to set yourself up even more right like just you're, you're all trying to be um set apart from the rest there's a lot of people out there how are people going to remember you what's what kind of investment were we talking about yeah, that's a that's a great question i don't know that answer because uh, i don't know what each series well, I mean, costs, but you know, I, I think to social media and content and communication the investment's low yeah for that know, for right? that costs stuff, anything yes. to have an yeah. account does it? right right i mean it costs us 500 dollars a session yeah. with the media yeah that's two hours. And a phone. A five hundred dollars a session for the media training. <laughs> yeah, for the media training for two hours. Yeah. Got it. Which okay. is nothing. Yeah. And when and when we do it, we've done it a couple of times. I think we've done it four or five times. Uh, we do it. We do it separately. But when Keelan comes out, Keelan speaks really good anyway. A lot of these kids do. But when he comes out, it's it's a breath of fresh air because he's learned he's learning more. And then when you go watch him doing it, same thing with Brent Cruz. Brent Cruz's interviews are tremendous now. Mm -hmm. He looks right in the camera. He does a great job, and he's he has come a long way. William, William, William has it. Yeah. So some kids have it, some kids don't. But but it 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 it's a big, big, big opportunity for people if they can do it. You know, it's no different than what we tell our kids. At least I I can speak for myself. Is that you know I tell my daughters like when 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 somebody's speaking to you, look them in the eye. Absolutely. I can promise you that most of your friends do not do this, and therefore, if you are the one that does this, you will be remembered. You'll be remembered for that. Remember for the right reasons. I mean, it doesn't seem like it's too different, right? You're trying to make an impression with the people that ma matter, right? Mm -hmm. And you don't even know who it is all the time, right? Yeah. So it's like it's like almost like a 24-hour uh, 24 job interview. 
You're always on audition, or at least you got to treat it that way yep. if you're a driver. And then, oh, by the way, win. Win. You still yeah. got to do that. Yeah. Don't suck. That, yeah. that, that, that Sucking will hurt you. Winning. No matter how much you I also <laughs> noticed this is a this is sort of a fault of my own because I'm like so controlling and want to be like handle everything. But I've noticed with Wyatt um, in particular, when I'm not around, he's so much better at speaking and so much better at taking care of oh, himself man. and so on. So like an example of the rate when we did the race hub thing, um, when he took them up to his room and he was just describing you know wins and trophies and this that and the other and then when we got to the racetrack they interviewed the three of us together and you know what he did turn and look at me seriously <laughs> like either are they asking you the question or are you going to answer for me mom and that's a fault of mine because i'm i often mm. do that for my kids you know i'm often like step in the middle of it but i think that's a good point that like they've got to do that parents need to tell them look someone in the eye give a firm handshake so on and so forth but at the same time i think that you know we can get too involved you know and yeah. like let them be themselves let them have a personality let them make a mistake or whatnot so they get it and learn right and figure it out i'm so glad you brought that up because that's a great question for josh josh have you ever had to have conversations with parents of drivers and maybe let's not even put you in that let's just say is there a time when khi management might have to say um or if there's situations that happen where you would be comfortable going and having a a real heart to heart with parents saying you're you're causing more problems than it's worth let's step back and let's let let this guy uh or gal mature as they as they are make the mistakes do that kind of thing absolutely but we haven't had that opportunity yet because when we bring these kids in i mean it's a it's a parent first. I mean, we talk to the parents first and we just say, hey, here's how we work. Because at the end of the day, these kids are yeah, they can't make the decision. 11 years old and 16 <laughs> years old and 14 years old. So we, got, we work directly with the parents, but we tell them what we can offer. But then we also ask, we also say, here's what we need out of you. Okay. We need you to be the parent, not the coach. We need you to be positive. These kids, I mean, it happens a lot, but like they're already hard on themselves. If they don't win a race, they don't need the parents to be hard on them too. You know what mm. I mean? And I have that problem for myself at home. I get on my kids and then yeah, I, we have it's that all problem done. in our family. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I get on my kids and I'm like, dude, we come on, we gotta hit better, Mason. Come on. Right. Hustle. Hustle. Three hustle. For, three for three. Like, I, I've tell I've you, learned that you need about. to have those conversations the next day. Man, in the heat of like after a race, you want to sit there and talk about the uh, mistakes or whatever's going on or what you could have done different. I'm like, oh yeah. That's let's a, talk about that tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, that's that's good. I, and I give Kevin I give Kevin a lot of credit because I mean, he wins. I mean, he, he's a race car driver. He wins, and he wants his son to win, and he does that. And he, and Keelan does win a lot. But what I like about Kevin, and the first thing I ever saw going to a race and watching him is Keelan goes out, and this was in go-karts, and he, and, he, and he qualifies. I think he's on the pole. And Keelan made some comment to him uh, about something, not a smart-ass comment, but just kind of a cocky comment. And Kevin kind of walked over and I saw him talk. He was over there talking to like the tournament or the director of the series or whatever. And uh, I forget how it went, but it's something about he told him to start him in the back. So Keelan started in the back of the race because <laughs> oh. he was like, it was too easy or something like that. Or, and yeah. he made that comment, but he started him in the back. But Kevin, what Kevin does with Keelan, I try to do the same thing with my kids. I watch Kevin and how he does a lot of stuff. Um, and when I see him say that, I'll go do that to my son in his golf world or his uh baseball world because when kevin says hey you need to watch this guy right here 
You need to follow every step. Whatever he says to him, I take that and I use it in other sports. Mm -hmm. So Kevin's guidance to these kids. And he, and I mean, I talked to Kevin yesterday and he was like, I just got the phone with William. So these kids ask the veterans and in the cup guys too. I mean, the cup guys, when they go to certain tracks, they'll call Kevin that represent KHI. And it's like, how the hell do you get around this track in Phoenix <laughs> like this? Why yeah. are you so good there? And he helps them. Yeah, I noticed too um, when Keelan came and ran a few dirt races at Millbridge, Kevin stayed up in the stands. Um, mm. And and he mm. specifically said to me, this isn't my wheelhouse. I'm going to let the people that are helping him and working with him do this because this isn't my wheelhouse. And I think parents that, need to realize that as well, right? Mm -hmm. I'm not the expert here in this. Maybe he's, you know, he's definitely an expert in uh, pavement racing and whatnot. But I think that's another thing that parents can, can learn and thing. understand, right? Because a parent yeah. can ruin a kid's career. No, I mean, and I, and, I, and I haven't seen it on the KHI side, but in this world, you hear a lot of stuff about Oh man, don't bring him over there. His parents are, whoo, but that happens, but that happens in all sports. Yeah. I mean, all sports have the same problem. Parents could be the trouble. Well, the, the ball family comes to mind in terms of at least whether or not they're, you know, those kids are successful and they, they play in the NBA, but you know, you couldn't have a conversation about the kid without, about hearing about the dad or the dad doing all the interviews. And it's just, uh, you know, it's like, wait a second, that can't be, that can't be helping them. How many times are we at our school games for our kids and we like see that parent, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? And you just try not to be that parent. And we try not to right? be that parent. Right. <laughs> I'm not that parent because I go ahead and volunteer to be the coach because the coach can't, coach can say that. So that's why I coach oh, that's everything. The that's the key. So when I I'm the you. coach, I can't be the parent. I'm the coach. So we're good. But yeah. So, so uh, let's, Let's step away for a second from the, the young ones that are trying to get in, and let's talk about the seasoned veterans and the stuff like that. Let's, I, I'm curious about what challenges there are right now when it comes to contracts for drivers and, and the things that they are up against. And this can also be an athlete, just if you don't want to go specific to drivers. But what are the challenges today in today's sports climate that, uh, that these – that these athletes are facing when trying to get good deals, fair deals. Yeah. Sponsorship, yeah. contract, all of I it. Would, yeah. I would say that the number one key to all driver contracts now are sponsorships. Yeah. There is a number that the team needs to get to to make sure that driver gets paid what he wants to get paid. And what I've seen lately, Fred and I, we were actually just discussing this today earlier, is when we see a contract and it is heavily based on bonus programs, they don't have a lot of money for that car. Mm, that's right. Okay, that's the that's the that's the number one thing when you're reviewing a contract and it is heavy, 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 heavy bonus program. That means they're basically banking on you not making the playoffs, you not winning a race, because they need that dot. They need that sponsorship fund to continue the car, which is fine. This this that's how this sport is. I mean, you have twenty million dollars in that race car. Your driver's making a pretty penny. You have three million dollars in that pay race car your driver's probably only making purse money but that's what this sport is and this sport's been around for a long time so it's it works okay but what we're seeing right now and we talked about this earlier when we were when we were talking that you don't see a race car with 38 races with the same sponsor anymore no nope. doesn't happen anymore mm -mm. 2010 2013 80 percent of the cars i mean i remember i remember this is how crazy it was i was telling tony stewart this a while back I remember when he had an Alpha Bravo paint scheme, mm -hmm. you know what I mean, with Old Spice yeah. and Office Depot. And I was like, two sponsors on one car? How's how is this going to work? But he made it work. And then all of a sudden it went from that to, okay, you got two sponsors, three sponsors. I mean, for the longest time with Kevin, he had GM Goodrich for 90% of his races and then 10% with Reese's. 
and then Jam Goodner's kind of went, and then went into Reese's and Ream, and then they went away. Then it went Jimmy John's, and, and now today, 21 years later, he's got seven cup sponsors for right. one guy. So, but you look at that, but that's the new norm. So sponsorship is what drives our sport. And if you don't have sponsorship, your driver's not getting paid. So you have to, you have to risk it. I mean, I risk it with a couple guys and say, hey man, go out there and win a race or do, sneak into the playoffs and you're going to get paid. So and that's how it is. But bonus programs are the key. When I look at a contract and I the same thing when I send it off to Fred and we're both reviewing this stuff, the first thing we say is, okay, here's what we think he's going to make. But projected if he gets one win, his salary is going to base it or his money is going to make is going to triple. It's going to be like that because that's how they have to, it's, it's just a balance act. That doesn't sound great for the driver. I mean, like to me, like it, it's just less guaranteed. There's, there's not money to guarantee anybody in a big contract is what all you're saying. Is it the sponsorship landscapes too sort of, I don't know, precarious or, or whatever it is. Uh, is that what you're saying? It, it just depends. Some drivers, I mean the, 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 the top guys, yeah, not they're fine. They're, they're yeah, fine. let's not talk about that. We're talking like, the like, middle like, tier. Let's let's talk about basically 13 to 30th. Okay. Okay? Right. Those guys are fighting, risking it all, racing hard, and all that stuff. I mean, look at Ryan Priest as an example the other day. I mean, after Daytona. Yeah. I mean, Ryan, he is probably one of the hardest working athletes in general that I have because not only is he a professional race car driver, but he brings 90% of that sponsorship dollars on his own like the, the, all that stuff he works hard for that now he's got relationships and he works hard for that and he works just as hard on the racetrack as he does off the racetrack to keep everybody happy because mm. that's how he is you know what i mean so he is the kind of guy that i look at and say does he make a lot of money he does good he's he's he makes great money he does great he's got a beautiful family just had a kid he does all that but he busts his butt both on and off the track to be able to get what he has mm. and that is key that is key. I mean, you look at a lot of these guys have sponsored dollars. A lot of these guys have it, whether it's family, friends, whatever it is, it works. Some guys don't. So the guys that don't have to bust it to get to where they need to be. Now, they're all professional athletes. They make left-hand turns for a living. <laughs> so life isn't bad. But at the end of the day, some guys work a lot harder for their sponsorship than other guys do. And Kevin, and you look at, like, for instance, with Kevin. We talked about this earlier. Kevin works hard for his sponsors because he's kept them for 20 years. Yeah, I was going to say, I think okay? everybody has yeah, to work hard. They these work days, hard. Right. But <laughs> Kevin's, Kevin's working hard is different. I mean, Kevin has, Kevin's, Kevin working hard is, I mean, he's, that four car is fast. He's won a lot of races, a lot of races. He won championships. So it comes with the name. He's a champion. These younger guys that are coming up, I mean, you look at Harrison Burton, you look at Todd Gillen, you look at some of these guys, they're good race car drivers. They've won at trucks, they've won at Xfinity series. The cup is hard. To yeah. win in a cup series, it's very hard. And once you win, you're still not guaranteed a spot. Okay, there's, there's cup drivers that have won in the last eight or nine years that aren't racing anymore. Mm -hmm. So, But my point is, when you get to the top level, you're not, it's not like baseball and football where oh, 20 years or $200 million <laughs> on seven years. It's not like that. Like, like you have to bust it. And if you're, and you bust it and you're not getting it done, they will make a change. Be specific. When you say that, uh, when it's busting it off the track, what mm -hmm. specifically are you needing them to do to better their opportunities? Uh, off the track? Is it cold calling? No, is no, no. It, it's is, is, like it, is it showing up at the local Ace Hardware? Well, is it what, what? Is it signing? Is it doing free autograph sessions? What? What specifically are no, they doing? Working to build your brand. These guys are still building their brands in the Cup Series. I mean, That's they are true. still they are still yeah. building their brands. So, so we'll use Ryan as an example. Ryan had that crazy wreck the other day, okay? Mm -hmm. Crazy wreck. And he went from here in a week or overnight to here. 
I mean, we were turning down ABC News, turning on, we, we had a lot of opportunities. His brand grew like that. Would he want to do that again? Absolutely not. <laughs> no. Okay. But but my point is Is that how you but, want to do it? <laughs> but 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 my point is he went to there. Now we have sponsors that are excited about the future with him and he's f- a couple top ten finishes of late, but he busted in the gym. When he's done in the gym, he goes straight into the marketing office. He goes and meets with the sales guy. He goes and meets with his crew chief. He goes and meet with the content team. Then he comes over to KHI and meets with us. He works. He is a hard worker. He is a hard working kid mm. for sure. But he does it all. Like he has to, like he's, he's got eight or nine sponsors in that car. He brought those sponsors to the table. So he wants to make sure in the marketing office, you guys doing everything right for these sponsors. You know what I mean? Anything I could do to help you uh, and stuff like that. That's a personality thing too, because I've heard drivers, you know, that have come through here that talk about, um, and L-Dub says this from time to time for himself, whenever he uh, was trying to make it in the Bush series is that he wasn't persistent enough mm-hmm. um, because persistence can be negative or positive, mm-hmm. right? Depending on what's going on. And, um, uh, you know, you have to be persistent. You have to work hard. You have to be diligent um, and, you know, just work it hard. If I, if I saw every one of my drivers in here every day of the week, that would be amazing mm-hmm. if I see one that's in here every day of the week and one that's in here once every two weeks. I've obviously got a different opinion about how hard mm-hmm. they're working, right, mm-hmm. and what they're doing for themselves. Um, so yeah, I think that persistence is is necessary. Yeah, and in, when you get to this level, market, right? when you get to this level, you need to be around your team. Yeah, I mean Ryan works out with his team every morning. He works out with his team. I mean. Harrison Burton is in the in the shop visiting his guy. Todd Gillen goes over to see his guys. Take him out to dinner. Be a part of it. Just just make it one family. Kevin has Kevin. It's amazing what Kevin does with his team. I mean, f- since I started with him in '02, basically. I mean, whether it was a hockey game or a basketball game or a football game, we take the team. We just call up and get a suite and do all this stuff and entertain them to make them feel like because they bust those crew guys. They bust their butts so hard. In the old days when you'd leave Thursday morning and you'd come home basically Monday morning or midnight, like they were gone four days and they worked from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. And there was no time to enjoy it. So we yeah. we do that. And that, and that's the same thing with these, these young you kids. You take care of people. These young kids. Yeah. I mean, William does an amazing job. I mean, with his race teams, he does an amazing job for these kids. He helps them out. He goes out to lunch with them. He takes them to dinner. He takes his ARCA crew chief out. They talk. Like, that's what you need to do. Build a relationship. It's not just show up, race the car, and go home. Yeah. You have to put effort into it. And that's what I like. During the past few months, our friends at Lionel Racing have been busy making the new late model diecast tools important to Lionel that fans can get diecast cars that accurately represent what's run on the racetrack. And that's also important to race teams, drivers, and to me personally. So our licensing team at Junior Motorsports has been working hand-in-hand with the production team at Lionel to make sure that these new late model diecasts have updated details and are something that collectors will be happy with. And I think that we have nailed it. From several of the late model stock cars that I've driven over the last several months to late models of other drivers like Kevin Harvick, Kyle Larson, Josh Berry, and some of today's biggest names in short track racing, fans can now get a brand new late model diecast that not only has this new body, but also an updated chassis and interior. Lionel Racing's new late model diecast is available to order in both 124 and 164 scales at lionelracing.com. And if you use promo code LATEMODEL23, you'll get free shipping. So check out the 2023 late model diecast on offer at lionelracing.com and be sure to use LATEMODEL23 to get free shipping on your purchase.
What about social media? You talk about how you, they need to be working on their social media to get, you know, to get opportunities and to start building followings and that. But we all know that can also come backfire, uh, backfire on you um, with just, you know, a slip up here. There's not a lot of forgiveness. It can, it can, you can lose a job fast. Okay, so my question, I guess, <laughs> and because we get this a lot too. I mean, Kelly, you got four drivers that. At any one time you're responsible for and, and how they're behaving on social media, you can't be res- you can't be keeping yeah. an eye on them and your own kids and everybody else. So, what do you guys do in terms of trying to manage, follow, keep in touch? You know, are you checking social media uh, a lot? Are you are you having conversations with your drivers about how how they um, you know how they engage with people on social media matters? What what's your take on all that? Well, 90% of my clients are grown men. So I kind of <laughs> let them, I kind of let them do what they want to do until they mess up. And we talk to them. I mean, there's every blue moon. We'll get somebody else send a note and say, Hey, should I post this? Um, golf. Those guys speak their mind a lot, especially when the live tour came, came up, came oh, about. Wow, yeah. So uh, a couple of my golfers or well, one of my golfers love to go on and, and post his opinions on a lot of stuff. And we got a lot of heat from fans and the, and the PGA tour itself. We're honest about it. Um, but he, he talked to the PGA tour, why he did this and why he said that. And, and, and it kind of was, is fine there. But I tell my NASCAR drivers, especially the young kids and my young kids, their parents are still doing their social media. So it's fine. But my UFC fighters and all that, my, nothing good happens after nine o'clock and to 9am, <laughs> the 99 rule, the UFC came up with that many years ago I in a meeting. It. I sat in. it's the 99 rule. Nothing good happens between 9pm and 9am on social media. Nothing unless you have a schedule post to go out when you're posting something at 11 o'clock at night, you've been drinking or something <laughs> and you'll probably regret it. So it's the 99 rule and the, and the UFC came up with it five or six years ago and basically don't post after 9 PM or before 9 AM. And that was the 99 rule. And we we've, we've been pretty good with our UFC fighters on that and our golfers and stuff. I'm not really worried about the NASCAR stuff. Honestly, Kevin doesn't even post. I mean, he looks at it. We post mostly for him. KHI does. Cause we post for a lot of our kids. Um, when it comes to sponsor plugs, pre-post race reports, um, or tune-in alerts, we do all that kind of stuff. But we haven't had that problem. Now, well, is there social media problems? Yes, there's NASCAR's got some problems on social media that we've seen. But I, it's, I think it's about the people you surround yourself with and staying on them yeah. and bringing it up. I mean, and I'm not saying anything bad about anybody, but we, as a company, when we bring a client in, we go through everything. Here's who's going to do your social media. This is Kelly. Here's going to do your marketing. Here's going to do this. And they know. So they they reach out to Kelly if they want to post something, and she helps them with it, and it goes from there. But it's it's social media for us has been fine, but it's not fine for a lot of people. I think it kind of goes back, too, to what you said earlier. You know, you have to have a certain level, level of credibility, integrity. Um, I was laughing hard yesterday on Diddy Hamlin's responses to mm-hmm. so many people on social media. <laughs> it was hilarious um, because, you know, they said he calls the wreck and da 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 And just his responses were just great. Um, very sarcastic. Very sarcastic. Yeah. Right. Like, but, but you, they were sarcastic, but he couldn't get in trouble for them. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Um, and you knew what his was, he was implying, but they were straight up good, solid, nothing to get in trouble for comments. Right. But there, there's a level of credibility for Denny Hamlin in doing so. He mm-hmm. wins. Yep. He's a champion. Mm-hmm. He's got, you know, great sponsors. And so I think, you know, at some point you, there's that 
obviously certain things can get you in trouble don't get me wrong but um there's a credibility of how you can interact on social media with people you know and doing that kind of stuff and, and being yourself because you want to be true to who you are right? oh yeah you don't want to be um, fake. well okay but on that point let me play devil's advocate for a second you don't want to be <laughs> fake but then you also said that you guys the company the management team does a lot of the posting for the well for that's the, the easy that's stuff different. yeah that's yeah. the easy stuff they don't want to do that stuff that's not them that's not them what we're saying is though is that's a pr role yeah like yeah. like if Denny Hamlin's being real and giving these funny yeah. responses, knowing yeah. he's not going to get in trouble, he's not going to say, I didn't mean to do that. Everything is fine. Yeah. I'm sorry. Like, that's fake. You or know he's what I mean? not going to say, like, F off or something yeah. like that, right? I mean, he's going to give a reply. You know he's, yes. you know. Denny Hamlin is a great example. A Denny Hamlin is a great example. And you look at all our sports. <laughs> like she just said, Denny Hamlin can post stuff like that on his social media, but he's got to be careful. Because if he doesn't have sponsors mm -hmm. at the top of our game, just like Kyle Busch with, with, with Mars and M&Ms, okay, you have to be on your game, okay? But in basketball and football and baseball, you can make those comments and still play tomorrow morning or mm -hmm. still play the next day mm -hmm. because that's a team. You know what I mean? That's a team sport. Not say anything bad. Like, you can't yeah. do bad stuff. Yeah. But they're not going to penalize you. But if Denny says, if Denny just made a comment of, I don't even know what it is, if nice shirt or you should put a shirt on and tell him somebody with a post or just saying something like that those fans could turn around and go right at denny mm -hmm. right at start tagging fedex start doing all this stuff that's right the sponsors yeah. just tagging the yep. sponsors that's right that's when it gets bad but in other sports they don't have sponsors they have a team and usually the person that's running the social media the team is not gonna go and say hey don't say that he just <laughs> they just tagged the detroit tigers and said that doesn't matter but when fedex or anheuser-busch or any sponsor you can think of. doesn't have to be Denny. Any sponsor. If they start getting tagged yeah, on point. comments, the first thing they're going to do is, we got to protect our brand. Who cares about the driver? Right. And so you, your response to that is what? If if a sponsor called me and said, hey, your I driver. I have a problem. Let's use the golfer, for example. Okay. Like, you know, and you didn't use a name. Yep. So we'll just say this golfer yep. who is very opinionated. We want them to be opinionated, don't we? We want, yep. we want people. But then all of a sudden it starts affecting the people that, 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 that pay, which is the sponsors. And they're calling you, Josh, not them, but you saying, hey, shut him up. I got a problem with that. What do you yeah. do? We actually almost had that problem. <laughs> we actually stayed ahead of it. When we saw the posts that were coming um, uh, and, the, and Rory McIlroy – uh, Rory came out and made a comment about him. Uh, we stayed ahead of it. We called the sponsors and just gave them all a heads up. We screenshotted okay. some stuff and said, hey, this little feud's going on right here, just FYI. And a lot of our sponsors didn't care. They were like, cool, cool, whatever. But, like, but we stayed ahead of it. What you don't want to do is have them call you. If you can beat them and call them first, you're fine. Mm -hmm. But if they're calling you, you're in trouble. We we haven't had that We lately. We had that with a UFC fighter about seven years ago, we had a, we had one of our uh, one of our fighters um, no longer with us. Um, she's she she's not a part of KHI anymore. But we had a sponsor call us and basically said, "Hey, we don't like a post that she just posted. Can you get her to take it down?" Well, we asked her to take it down, and she kind of got defensive. So we had to pick it. We had to pick. Do we keep this client mm. or do we keep the sponsor? And the sponsor's paying millions. So we had to part ways with the client, mm. uh, and it was mutual. With it was the, per fine. the person, not the sponsor. Yeah. With the, it was fine with the with the, the, with the yeah. athlete. Yeah. With the athlete, we parted ways just because of that, and it, and it and it worked. But we still have the sponsor today. So think about that. That was seven years ago. So that's the. If you can stay ahead of everything, it's no different than uh, a suspension in NASCAR, 
a suspension in any sport there is. If you can get to the client or get to the sponsor, but if they read it on social media, you got a 75 to 80% chance that everything's going to be fine. It's so funny because I say this about, uh, I say this to our Dirty Mo team. Don't let, we don't need to, I don't like us finding out problems or errors by Dale Jr. texting me. Mm-hmm. Oh, perfect. If Dale Jr.'s texting me. It's gone too far. <laughs> we, we, yeah, I, I've got to, I want to identify these things before it gets to Dale and we don't know when he's on social and that, that kind of thing. And so like that, that's the same principle, right? Like when you, Kelly, yeah. you know this all too well, but when Dale calls you up at, at a, some absurd time, yeah, <laughs> whatever, it's usually all right. Well, you know, you look at it and you're like, oh God, what is this about? You know, and it's because there's probably something that's set yeah. him off or not that he's yeah. not happy with. Yeah. You don't like it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. What yeah. else can they do to, to for you guys to drop them as a client? Like, is it? Is it can, can, <laughs> we don't drop clients. That that was a, well, no, they no. drop themselves. I'm saying is <laughs> yeah. no. This is a, a this is a message to the current clientele who you guys are in great relations with. What can they do that forces you to go? I can't be. You can't be part of KCHI anymore. Uh, that would probably have to be a social media post or something that is negative toward our clients sponsors mm. the that's the thing i mean the one thing about khi when you look at our portfolio of athletes there's a common denominator and 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 the thing is they all get along their people skills they can talk and they're all winners okay and if you look at it whether it's golf whether it's ufc whether it's nascar everybody's won at some level okay golf we've got a 10-time winners in the in the PGA Tour, our golfers are combined. NASCAR, it's hundreds of wins. But my point is, when everybody, not only is a professional athlete and a winner, they know what each person needs. I fly with Kevin 95% of the time to the races. Even though I'm managing all these clients, they don't look at it and say, oh, there he is with Kevin. He's Kevin's favorite, Kevin's his favorite client. Kevin's this. No, Kevin owns our company. We talk business. I come to you. We're all in this together. So that's kind of how it is. But I get that question a lot. I get that sure. question a lot from people in the garage. Other drivers. I'm talking to other drivers right now. And the first thing they say, especially last year, was one is, will Kevin know everything that I that When I come to you, will Kevin know what my salary is? Will Kevin know this? <laughs> it's a great question. That's, the, that's we get that a lot. We say this. Kevin oversees our company. He gives input. He sees it all. He's a part of everything. 99.9% of the time, he's given the right information. Okay. Nobody's perfect, but he gives the right information to the point where he was a big part of the Ricky Stenhouse deal. Cause I texted him and I told him where I was and what, and within five seconds, he told me the three teams that had drivers available. <laughs> you got to remember this. This was after the Roval is when this happened four, four years ago. This was after the Roval. There's not much time left in the mm-hmm. year to find a job. And yeah. we were, we were fortunate enough to find it by working together. And we had Ricky, Ricky was let go. He finished the season out, but Ricky was let go, and four hours later, we had a contract in hand reviewing. Ricky told us, uh, you know, in vivid detail how that whole thing transpired on the download when Ricky was on talking to Dale and I. It's pretty fascinating if anybody wants to hear that story. I mean, you know that – but that's where I remember very specifically Kevin being very vocal right off the jump, right after he was fired. I remember that. Mm-hmm. Kevin was automatically vocal in the media uh, – completely unimpressed of how he was let go mm-hmm. yeah and and that obviously wasn't a strategic thing that's kevin being who he is right yeah. that's kevin you know going to bat for for the thing that's right versus mm-hmm. the things that he sees are wrong 
Uh, and I always appreciated that. So, so when, what is the answer, by the way, when, when those guys ask if Kevin knows their salaries? The answer is yes, of course he does, right? Well, he knows, he knows everything. He doesn't review their contracts and stuff that. Fred and I do that. But he wants to make sure they're happy. Yeah. They're making what they need. Like, he'll get on us and say, get him more or get him this or he deserves this. He wants to make sure everybody gets exactly what they want. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. And, that's, and that's, that's a big part of our sport right now. Everybody wants to get what they want. But then when they look at the breakdown of what the team is mm-hmm. bringing in for sponsorship, it goes I'll, back I'll to divvied out. It, it go, yeah, it goes all back to that bonus program. You can look at a contract right now, and you you don't even have to look at at the end where it says the salary and the base pay and all that. If you look at the bonus program, and you see half a million dollars to make the playoffs and three hundred thousand dollars for a win, you know that one they're not expecting for you to win. Okay, and I'm dead serious. It it doesn't matter what sport that is. That's how it is. It's the bonus production. It's it's no different than if you look at an NFL team. His contract's ninety million dollars. Well, he's only getting paid thirty-two of the ninety. He's got to make a Pro Bowl, be the MVP, win the Super Bowl, and there's his ninety million dollars. So my point is, like, there's a lot of stuff that that goes goes behind it. it. Yeah. Could you imagine? I told something this the other day. Could you imagine if NASCAR and the teams released released the numbers of what these guys make? Whether it's truck, Xfinity, and Cup, like you watch baseball, these guys get two million dollars signing bonuses out of high school, and they're going to play single A baseball. Okay, they they do this, but the sport would be crazy if they released. They used to release the purse, yeah, which was awesome because people would text me like, "Holy cow, you guys Y'all get that much money <laughs> to do circles that don't know anything about racing? Right. They don't get it." But if they saw this, I tell this people today, like NASCAR drivers, there's a lot of money out there. People walk in, you go you go shopping in a store, you see people wearing all still Dale Jr. stuff or still whatever it is. They're wearing that stuff because that's their guy, okay? That's what it is. You go to a football game, everybody's wearing that stuff. But this is nation. Panther fans are here. There's some Panther fans yeah, all over the country. other places. But there's race fans all over this country, and they're wearing the same stuff. So NASCAR drivers, if we would just release that stuff, which I don't want them to, but I'm just saying if they ever did, I think the sport would be bigger. Because I think people would be like, I'm going to go watch this. This dude's making this much money to drive in a circle. i got to see what it's like. Mm. You know what I mean? Because you just you think about that. Everything is so quiet and private. In golf, every all the purses are shared. Sure. And they know what you make. They don't know what your sponsorship deals are. But they know what that is. NASCAR is like the only sport in all of professional sports. When, when we fight, when the fight's over, we fight Conor McGregor. Cowboy did. As soon as the fight was over, two hours later, boom, there's your pay. And they were like, wow, look at how much money these guys I are making. I never thought about that. But that's NASCAR. NASCAR doesn't do that, which is fine because it is kind of all over the place. But they're still all professional athletes. But the money, I'm telling you, it would open people's eyes if they saw how much money a lot of these guys made or how much least money money they made. Both ways. Both ways. That's what I'm thinking, yeah. So, Hey, Kelly, are you doing what I'm doing when he's talking about you can tell – based off the bonus structure of the contracts on whether the team's got money. Are you thinking about what our contracts are with our drivers right now? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but ours are yeah, a little different, but yes. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. I'm like, oh, my God, who's he talking about? Right <laughs> no, I'm not, talking about, I'm not talking about anybody. The good thing about this sport is a lot of the managers talk, just like the owners talk. A lot of the managers talk, so we kind of see what yeah, a lot of sure. guys are. And I'm not even talking about any of my guys. I'm saying in general – when I picked up a lot of these guys, they were already under contracts. They have good con- If you're a Cup Series driver, you're living fine. Yeah. Okay? There's, there's, that's fine. But what I'm saying, though, is some of these race teams, whether it's trucks, Xfinity, or Cup, if they only pay purse, they can't pay salary, the salary's low, it's just because they're trying to break even to race. Yeah. It's not that they're doing anything bad. Yeah. Our model is so 
heavily concentrated on sponsorship. Yep. That's the bottom but line. But you raced to break know? even here too on the race Oh, cars. absolutely. See, yeah, that's absolutely. what we always did yeah, too. Absolutely. You braced to yeah. break even. Yeah, that's absolutely. the key. So that's why when you see this stuff, <laughs> they need this money. They yeah. need this just to break even to have it. Because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what team you're on and make the money you make. If the people on that team aren't getting paid and aren't making the right money to get the good guys on your team, you're not, you're not going anywhere. Right, exactly. Not, people don't believe yeah. me when I say that, but the racing to break even, most – most teams that you think, um, you know, just rake in money, they're just really breaking even. They may be making their money in other <laughs> other businesses. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, I mean, like, yeah, it's such a hard, difficult, arduous, difficult sport. arduous sport. sport right. Yeah. And you are signing up uh, for it for another whole generation, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> you know. Well, I know, but I think, you know, I, I, I was trying to – I don't know – if you could articulate the differences between some of the athletes that you represent, like on, you know, I'm just sitting here thinking about being a golfer. Okay. You're, you've got to, you and only you have to be good golfer, period. Mm -hmm. You don't, there's nothing. I mean, you know, you got to learn to, I guess, golf the course and whatever, but you, you, it's just in your hands, right? Mm -hmm. You've got the talent, you got the golfer on the football team or the basketball team or the baseball team. It, Baseball is probably a little different because you got to be able to hit well and da da da. But so many other variables go on in some of those sports, sure. right? That is a, the team aspect. Depending on a lot know? of other people. Same thing in our sport. It's like dependent on so many different variables, right? I mean, you've got to be talented. Don't get me wrong, but there's so many other variables. And so, I mean, I'm just I was just sitting here thinking like how to articulate the the differences in the sponsorship and. I don't know. I don't even know. It just it's just complicated. I mean, motorsports is complicated oh, at is. the end of the day. It is the hardest. Um, it is the, complicated. It is. It's yeah, the hardest sport to, I work in. Yeah. From from the driver's perspective to making it to the team's perspective of operating to the sponsorship model because we are so heavily dependent on that sponsorship. You know, as you were talking earlier, I was thinking about, um, you know, when you're talking about all the different paint schemes. I mean, that really changed after 2008 and the economy mm -hmm. and then now being able to go to market the way you can in social media and content and there's less expensive ways than versus the traditional ways of, um, you know, TV and billboards and so on and so forth. And so this is so different. Um, to, to be able to do all that so and the, the these other guys golfers and, and ball players and all that they're not dependent on how much money they can bring to the table they get paid oh, right <laughs> based it's, off they of gotta their make talent. the cut yeah. to get paid yeah, they gotta right? make a cut correct yeah correct yeah. like if they don't yeah. make the cut it's yeah. hard yeah they i mean they have sponsors so they they yeah. have sponsors and they have club deals and ball deals and shoe deals and glove deals so yeah. they they make yeah the they money. do okay. but, but i will but, tell yeah. you this about the pga tour and i've learned this over the last 10 years it is the only professional sport where you can lose money as an athlete. And here's why. James Hahn is one of my golfers. Okay. James Hahn, when the season started, he, he made like, what, let's just say he made a tournament or two and he made 30 or 40 grand, whatever it is, first two tournaments by making the cut. Then he missed seven straight cuts in a row, mm. which you're paying for hotels, flights, LSDs. car rentals, rental um, food, a caddy. Caddy gets mm -hmm. salary. Mm -hmm. That's right. Caddy. Caddy's per diem, caddy's hotel room, <laughs> caddy's rental car. Okay, so you're putting all that in there. So you you're every weekend. That's seven straight weekend. Let's just say ten thousand dollars a week. Yeah, together you're out seventy grand because you didn't make a cut. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay, and you're gone seven days a week. So you miss seven straight cuts. You're down. Okay, then he comes to Charlotte that year after missing seven straight cups and wins the Wells Fargo tournament 
and it puts in the paper 1.2, $1.3 million. So then he makes money. Okay. But my point is you look at some of these golfers that are 128th in the FedEx cup, 129th, the FedEx cup. They're not guaranteed spots. Every tournament, they got to get in, they got to play in a Monday qualifier. Okay. And all that stuff. Golf is the hardest sport of all the sports I work in because it is so hard to win a golf tournament. You're playing against 170 people every weekend. You make a cut, you're down to 60 or whatever mm -hmm. it is. Okay. In NASCAR, you're racing the same 36, 40 guys every weekend. Some guys make the cut if they have the Daytona 500, but it's still hard. Don't get me wrong, but golf is different. Golf is a sport where the live tour has come in and kind of taken, taken over their side of it where there's guaranteed money over there now. The PGA Tour is changing their model. There will be guaranteed money as well coming in to some of these guys to pay for caddies, to pay for travel. Because you got to remember, not only do they have the travel, you got golf coaches, you got strength coaches, you got <laughs> mental coaches. You know what I mean? So you got all this stuff. So, which is a big part for the NASCAR mm -hmm. kids too. Is going back to what you were saying. Uh, watching these these kids need to be. I don't want to say lifting weights in the gym. These young kids, but they need to be getting trainers, working out, training, um, and learning as they go. Mental coaches are big for a lot of stuff. I'm so glad you said that because that is another thing I wanted to ask you both, frankly. How invested do you allow yourselves to get in when drivers who we know can be head cases, and I say that as a compliment, they got a lot I going on I get very invested. Like, 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 <laughs> I got a lot on the line. But, but, or said another way, their confidence is worth two tenths. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah, 100%. I like, you know, a confident driver is is at least two tenths faster and i just i've seen it too many times i remember when dale jr's like i'm the best race car driver on the track mm -hmm. he would win races when that just ounce of doubt started infiltrating and getting into his mind it snowballed it snowballed into a de into a what was that we went two years or something without a win and it was like wow this was a i'm the best race car driver on the track to you know i'm just trying to you know now you got you know, Lance McGrew keeping him out there just to lead a lap on old tires. And it's like, what are we doing to his confidence? So my question to both of you is, that like, how often, even as, as, as much as you want to just be into the business side of this, whether it be running Junior Motorsports, Kelly, or, you know, in all these drivers' uh, careers for you, Josh, you, you sometimes end up in the personal stuff and the mental and the confidence. Do you, find, you end up having to coach them up, having to be their a psychiatrist or something. How often does that happen, and do you do you enjoy that part? What do you you know? What's the line on that? On getting too close, then? Yeah, I mean, we get pretty invested because I mean they're in our cars week in and week out, and so you're right that that confidence is a difference maker, and it it's not. I mean, it, it goes to the crew chief and their team and everything just really gelling together, and those people getting along and not having any issues. And I mean, you have to get in the middle of that when you see that go sour. So I mean very heavily invested from from my standpoint i think her standpoint's um, more important than <laughs> my, my standpoint well, sure, because she's got her team of because people. you have teams right. and employees yeah you're, you're yeah. having to maintain all that. yeah what i do on my side a lot i listen a lot mm. after races my phone's open and i get a lot of phone calls and a lot of venting and they want to get their frustration out mm -hmm. of how bad the car was how bad this and it's not even just that how bad the caddy was this weekend reading putts how bad my tr my coach trained me this week. You know what I mean? Like it's it's everything. I'm kind of a I don't want to say like a I'm I'm kind of a guy they just lean on for advice. And what do you need to do here? Do and I'm and I'll say, do you want me to make a phone call? Do you want me to call somebody? I'll call somebody for you. You're a voice of reason. 
Yeah. yeah. Usually they yeah. don't. They just want yeah. you're available. It's what yep. it sounds yeah. basically. like. Basically. And, and, and your voice to raise it because, I mean, I, it's, it, it comes down to like, God, we were awful today. We were awful. Terrible. Oh, okay. Okay. That's fine. Hey, we're still, we're still in this. We're good. Mm. It's only one race. Okay. It's only one race. We're still we got 35 to go. You know what I mean? It's stuff like that. So a lot of part of my job is a voice of reason. I mean, it doesn't matter. The biggest one is when a UFC fighter loses a fight on Saturday, that phone call Sunday when they say, Hey, I'm sorry. It was terrible. I wasn't ready. I froze up or whatever it is. It's part of it, dude. Mm. It's part of it or her. I think another part of it, too, is like um, being able to mentor them on the bigger picture. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And sharing that experience with you. And I won't name names, but this has happened at Millbridge. I was uh, innocent bystander to a situation where you you have two teammates driving for a particular um, owner um, out there in the micros who personally have issues with each other. So therefore, they're in the same dash and they you know, have an issue with each other, but they're racing for the same team Mm -hmm. and they come in and the team owner's livid, you know, and so they, that, you know, they're going to them. And then it's that voice of reason, like you said, that bigger picture of why is this important, right? Where do you leave things? What do you do? So, you know, in your role of managing and coaching drivers, and I mean, I do this with Dale often, you know, it's like you want to listen. um, And I'm in a unique role being sister and you know, the business person, um, and I have to figure out which hat sometime to put on, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, but you want to listen, but then you also want to offer up advice and mentorship and suggestion or whatever it is. You know, if the car, I don't know much about the competition part of it. I love my role here because I like take it like the motherly figure, right? I let competition <laughs> yell at them, get in the meetings, do whatever, whatever. And then when I know they're done, I go out to the drivers and I put my arms around them or whatever, you know, and give them whatever kind of encouragement they need because I don't. I don't, I don't, I can't, I can't yell at people. I do, I don't do yeah, bad at that, but no, yeah. That's true, but like, I don't want to gloss <laughs> over this. I'm not the get mad over person. But. What about the Cars Tour, though? How, how deep did you have to get into all those other parts of the business and the Cars Tour? And Josh, this is going to come to you as well, because, I mean, both, I, everybody knows, Dale, Kevin, Jeff Burton, Justin Marks, all four owners of the Cars Tour, but there was a lot of work to be done in a short amount of time. Well, I think that's from the business perspective and, and, you know, Josh and I have worked closely on that and, and you kind of, we all have our different, um, um, expertises, right? So Josh works a lot on the sponsorship side that for me, that purchase for me, I look at obviously running Dell's businesses and was able to look at it from Kevin's standpoint and Jeff's standpoint and Justin's standpoint too, of just making sure everything was buttoned up. And that's, I, I love that stuff. That's my expertise, but I also like to sit in pretty much everything right now just to understand um you know there's when you have four personalities involved in something different ways of thinking about things then we have the business people behind the scenes thinking about things you've got an uh you know previous owner in jack mcnelly who we need his expertise and how he's ran things but we also want to be able to look at things differently and more open-minded so it takes a lot to kind of um make all that work but um you know i want to get in there and learn and listen you know to all of those kinds of things right now because i need to know how it works so that when i do have a suggestion or i have a thought you know you've kind of went down the checklist of everything that uh absolutely could go but one day i hope there's a day when we can we build it up and we back away, right? <laughs> I feel like you're all in on that cars tour. I feel like you're the leader of the pack. Well, I, I tell you, if nobody is leading the pack, then you know. I <laughs> mean, no you see how <laughs> you know you see how it goes, right? You send something out on a um, text messages, and 
you know, everybody has their thought, but somebody's got to like bring the thought back together. Bring it like, back up. Yeah, somebody's <laughs> got to have a final thought and organize the final thought. Okay, She'll so say you're something saying. And they'll say, cool. And they'll be like, I need an answer. <laughs> cool. Cool. <laughs> Kevin will say, Justin or Dale will be like, or. The one thing I love about the group text for the car store, thumbs up. Yeah. There are so many thumbs up and I don't know what, what okay, what does the thumbs up mean? There's been 50 texts. We either heart or thumbs up. Yeah. All <laughs> the time. All the time. All the time. You guys, she said, she mentioned that you're, um, you know, sort of been focusing on sponsorships, the car store. Uh, explain that, expand on that a little so bit. So I, I think everybody has kind of their own, all four owners have kind of different parts of what they're helping with. Yeah. So KHI with Kevin as being the owner, Kevin kind of just, brought us i would say probably this january february and our first meeting was like hey we need you guys to help out on the sales side we we're like okay but we're going to do it different we're going to try to get somebody <laughs> different we don't want to just keep going to the same sponsors we want to sure. get something different so we're talking to a couple right now um for some different opportunities in the series uh keely has been great to work with of late and getting all the other sponsors resigned that she's had so it's fun it's just it's a challenge it's a challenge but nothing is easy of course nothing sure. is easy um but it's a challenge, but we're, we're just digging along. We like it. It's, it's just another thing to put under our umbrella. Yeah. That's right. all it is. That's all it is. I, I'd be remiss if we didn't ask him about Kevin going to TV also. Like, yeah. Are you interested in this? Cause Absolutely. I, you know, I, I am curious on when Kevin would have started expressing interest in TV. We know he's good at it. We know he's been in the booth plenty of times. And I think that it was probably, you know, not even a secret that Kevin had a career in TV if he so wanted Chose to go to that route. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So, like, I I'm curious on whatever you're willing to tell us from when he wanted to start, uh, you know, exploring those avenues and all the way up into his deal with Fox. How involved were you with that? Um, it was Kevin's idea. It was Kevin, <laughs> Kevin, everything. So, like I told you in the beginning, Kevin is very hands-on with his yeah. sponsors. So, he, uh, he talked to Eric Shanks and Jacob many 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 years ago at daytona and said hey i want to call one of these truck races or xfinity races one time so they were like okay let's do it so fast forward i want to say only a couple months i want to say we did like the bristol truck race in the beginning of the okay. year that year and he liked it he liked it and then it was like hey you want to do more and we started doing more but then we started looking at a lot of them and then a lot of them as soon as you were done with the old school way of practice you you qualify or you practice, you qualify on Friday, you practice on Saturday, and then there'd be team meetings, but you'd have to go right to the TV booth. You know what I mean? So it wasn't a lot of time, and Kevin was so focused on racing, 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 that he was like, hey, I'll do a couple of these a year, two or three of these a year, four of these a year. So we did a couple truck races, a couple of those, and he really liked it. And then we, he looked at doing it full-time at the end of 21, okay? being Because mm -hmm. he, he re-signed for a couple of years. He looked at going full-time, but he wasn't ready to step out of that car yet. Um, he had just won nine races uh, the year before. It was fun. It was still fun. And he was doing it. We were loving it. We were loving every second of it. Because when you win on Sunday, it is easy to sell on Monday. And he told us that he knew the new car was coming. Yep. And he wanted, to, he wanted to drive that new car. He wanted to have the new car because he wanted to be able to go to the TV booth and be someone that said I drove talk that, about that and yeah. talk about driving the car. So, so important. Yeah. So important. So this was, this was his idea and, and him and Fred and they all sat down as a group and said, Hey, we're going to do this at the end of 23. I'm going to hang it up. And of course me and Kevin will still tell you this. I'm like, you sure you don't want to keep racing? You want to race <laughs> Keelan in a truck race in a couple of years and try to do oh, the yeah. father son deal. And, and I, I mean, Delana still gets on me every once in a while. I'll send her a text and be like, like when we won last year at Michigan, I'm like, 
dude, he's got it. Let's, <laughs> let's keep rolling. And this year, I mean, Phoenix, he had an eight-second lead with eight laps to go, and the caution came out, and he's had a bunch of chances this year. And he was top five in points basically all year long. And I'm like, you sure? Are you sure? And But it was his time. I mean, he he's done – you ask him. He's done everything he wanted to do in the sport. He is ready to go to the TV booth. He's ready to – have time off to watch Keelan race. Keelan is at the point of his career right now where he's still doing the legend stuff, but he can be in a late model at 12 and just test him. And so, he, so Kevin is ready. I mean, he's he's built KHI. I give him a, him and Dwayne a lot of credit. They built KHI to where it is today, and uh, it can run on its own without Kevin racing. Mm -hmm. um, so that's good. He's got this late model program that he's building for the family and the kids and all that and different. That's growing. His foundation's going, and he's got the TV. And as you know, Adele, I mean, TV's half yeah. a year. So when the first half season's over, he can go be dad and go to all the races. So I've been with him 20 years. It's going to be tough watching him walk away here in Phoenix, but you guys did it with Dale, and Dale runs part-time still. I think Kevin's going to get in that late model <laughs> and have a lot of fun. But, yeah, he's, he's ready. He's, he's excited, and, and, and I'm happy for him. So that made me think of a question when you said that it was Kevin's idea and how involved he is. I think that we could all say, I mean, most everything we do is Dale's idea too, right? <laughs> So do they ever? Does he ever bring you an idea that you go, mm, I'm just not so sure how that's going to work, <laughs> right? Or, or do you just roll with it? <laughs> a, a lot, a lot. But the cool part is, the cool part is, when there's ideas like that, I ask him, did you tell that to Delana? Yeah, and okay. Because like, yeah. Delana, Delana, what I love about Delana is she, we call her the dream killer. So like, if we have an idea we know we need to get shot down and we don't think it's a good idea, we bring it up to her. And she'd be like, that's terrible. Thank you. And like stuff like that. Oh, so she is our voice of reason yeah. for that kind of stuff. But I mean, it's not a lot. No. It's not a lot. It, but every blue moon, he'll be like, you guys want to do this? I just find myself sometimes in that position with Dale. Like, I don't want to be the dream killer, yeah. but I want right. to be, I want to talk about the pros and cons. Like, yeah. I'm not trying to talk you out of it, but I want you to understand it does sound very exciting for these reasons, but did we think about this? Right. Yeah. And I think we're, yeah, there's a know, lot of, in that position. But with the cars tour, <laughs> but buying the cars tour with those guys has has come up come with other avenues to mm -hmm. buy other stuff and mm -hmm. some other stuff and oh I'm, yeah and i'm just like like let's do this first yeah let's yeah. just stick with this let's and, get, yeah let's yeah. let's be good at that yeah. something before we go yeah let's exactly. just wait so but exactly. but honestly he is he is he is very smart on the business savvy side of it so he gets it but every blue moon i mean he shoots me down a lot <laughs> i mean i have an idea i'm like what about this the answers to all your questions. Are no. <laughs> and, I, and, and, and I'll even call. I'll even call him on like a Tuesday afternoon about something random, and he'll, he'll answer the phone. The answer's no. And I'm like, dude, I don't. I mean, so so he gets it. But we we have a lot of fun. The the KHI group is a lot of fun. As you saw, we've been together forever. Um, so we really enjoy that. All right, last thing. Who did the content for the retirement? Jessica at Stewart. Jess at Stewart Haas Racing. What fantastic! Content. She is. I have so enjoyed. Amazing. That. Yes. You know what's funny is Kevin when we when we sat down, we brought our whole team together, and Kevin was brought everybody in the office, and we sat there and we said, "All right," and that was the place where he told the other ones that he was retiring. We all knew it was coming, but we told all of them, and Kevin said, "What I want to do is I want to come up with a game plan of." special gloves special steering wheels i want to give steering wheels away i want to do special helmets like he was so organized and this thing has gone perfect to date with five races to go mm -hmm. but he has done everything the right way but what what we wanted to do we started talking to these agencies other groups outside of us that could help us with this retirement tour these videos um all this stuff and we gave shr a heads up that we were doing this and this this lady named jess 
Jess Smith, she kind of raised her hand and I was like, hey, what's up? And she was like, give us a shot. Yeah. And we were like, what? Give Stuart Haas a chance to do this right. And she came from the Yankees. Mm -hmm. So, and I don't, I don't know if she was there during Jeter's retirement time, but she came from the Yankees and she's at Stuart Haas. And she's like, give me a week, give me a week to build something. So we gave her a week. We came back to SHR and she's like, here's, here's what I want to do this. I want Kevin to handwrite this letter with his voiceover, which where he cried and he was yeah. just like, hang, but she did that one. And then, I mean, she's done. She made all the crew guys the other day, pick up the phone and act like you're leaving a message for Kevin. What would you say to him? Mm. Yeah. So those are the ideas that she comes up with. So she has done this, her and her team. It's, it's a really team. Good. But like the, really good. the the video that we have coming out that Kevin hasn't seen yet mm. to end the, to end it is like, holy cow. Like she is that good at what she does. So Kevin will tell people. It's Jess at Stuart Haas Racing and her team. Her team is incredible. But every video, we hear that from people. Yeah, really People that don't it. even watch racing yeah. send us texts and says, that video is incredible. Uh, listen, you know, all, all of us in the content game, we may not have favorite race car drivers, but we have favorite content people. And, uh, <laughs> and, and that's just because we're all nerds when it comes down to it. Jess is one of my all-time favorites. And I didn't even know her until recently. I had never met her. I was a fan of her long before yeah. I met her. I met her because of that series that uh, Forever a Prankster, Kevin Forever. Harvick, Forever a Prankster. You were on it. Yeah. I was on it, and it was a lot of it. It was about you, Josh. Yeah, no. uh, <laughs> that was the old me. That was the old that me. That was the old you. And, and before, be honest, kids, before kids. Before kids. No, no, no. I mean, I, 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 I guess the, the point I wanted to make on that was that it, it, did, uh, rem we, it reminded me a lot of the things that we – a lot of the fun we used to have, right? Mm -hmm. But at the same time, a lot of people know you as that guy, as the mother function guy, as all that stuff. But the fact of the matter is, is that you like, I hope me and Kelly and everybody else, like when we, we've built up businesses around these guys and they rely a lot on us on these businesses, right? The, the, we run these companies. And, and so the, the forever a prankster thing sort of, I had a bit of a mixed emotion about it. One was, boy, did we have some fun back in the day, but two this isn't exactly what Josh brings to the table. He's not the punching bag here, much in the same way as I'm not the JRM 360 guy. You are kind of the field goal kicker still, Josh, still. just so you know. But yep. the fact of the matter is, is that like there was, there was a lot more. And I'm glad that you accepted our offer to come on this because I want people to know what Josh Jones is all about. And, and sure, there's been the fun and we've, you know, and we, we've done that. We've had it uh, and we've shared that a lot with fans. But the fact of the matter is, is that, Kevin, man, imagining him without you and without Delena, without Fred, my goodness, and SHR without Jess, and obviously, <laughs> like, well, there's a lot of important, awesome, people. talented Absolutely. people and positions that have helped uh, help these guys along the way. Absolutely, 100%. yeah. But yeah, yeah. That's, that was a good way to say it. That was good. But yeah, well, I, we've we've been around for a long time, just like you guys have as well. I mean, I. Well, Kevin, it sounds like you got with twelve clients. You're gonna be around for a while. For, for a while, we are. And 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 with with the retirement of Kevin, I told Fred the other day, I was like, you can't walk away either, buddy. We're all in this together. So, right. and it's gonna be funny. Kevin's gonna be more hands on. So, I'm actually looking forward to the next chapter. Not only TV, but having Kevin be involved in all stuff, and Delaney having more time and watching Keelan. I the one thing I want to say about this sport, we we're talking about this youth movement earlier. The kids, your kids, Kevin's kids, the Bush's kids, Larson's kids. Um, Cash Boyer. Cash Boyer. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, literally in 10 years from now, yeah. we could have a truck race with like, <laughs> with the 15, same names. <laughs> with like 15 of the same names. Because back in the, Elliot, crazy. Burton, yeah. stuff like that, yeah. Blaney, there was three or four of them. 
I mean, there literally could be. I mean, Ryan Priest's kid's going to be there. I can promise the you that. Field, the, right? the the whole field <laughs> is going to have. I mean, the, just get used to it because I'm telling you, I'm going to say it on this show right now. In 2037, half the field could be kids of p- former parents that we that we worked with or been with. I'm here for it. I'm here for it. I can't wait to be honest with you. It will be awesome. It (laughs) will be awesome. All right. All right. Well, it has been a great episode. Thanks so much for saying yes. We appreciate it. No problem. Thank you, guys. uh, We'd like to be the exclusive. We are the exclusive right. uh, interviewer of the Josh Jones story. Right. That's a good point, Kelly. If we go hear him doing an interview somewhere else, are you going to be a little upset? I am. Just give us like 30 days. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Give us 30 sign, days to enjoy sign it. Sign a non-compete. <laughs> there you go. Thank you guys very much. Thank you. Thank you. Man, I'm really excited to have Ally help us bring the guest segment every week. It's one of my favorite parts of the download. We get to talk to so many different people in racing, outside of racing. But everybody that comes in here, I want them to have had a good time. I want them to want to come back. I want them to feel like an ally to Dirty Mo Media. Thank you, Ally, for your continued support of the download and the entire Dirty Mo Media team. All right, everybody, it's white flag time. That's right. We're going to cover some stuff here, important stuff that you need to know. First of all, on Thursday, Dale will be visiting Whiskey River at the Charlotte Douglas Airport at 10 a.m. If you are flying in for Roval Weekend, stop by, you know, sample some menu items and take a photo with Dale. The first 75 fans will receive an autographed copy of Buster Gets Back on Track or Racing to the Finish. Don't forget about that book. Yeah, that was a New York Times bestseller. Whiskey River is located at Concourse E Rotunda near Gate E20. Most of you probably have seen it. If you've, fl- uh, if you've flown into Charlotte in the past, you definitely have stopped off at Whiskey River. But it, yes, Concourse E Rotunda near Gate E20. Dale Jr. will be there this Thursday. The Cars Tour is back in action on Saturday from South Boston Speedway. Catch the late model stocks and the pro late stock models live on Flow Racing Saturday night at 6.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Here at Dirty Mo Media, you know, DBC had plenty to say yesterday about Talladega. So if you have if you haven't listened already, go check that out. Actions Detrimental drops today. And this Business of Motorsports show will be the only download episode this week since Dale Jr. is out of town. Speed Street will drop on Wednesday and the Dirty Mo Doughboys will give you their picks for the Roval on Thursday. Can't wait for that. Speaking of the Roval, if you're in town this week, check out Door Bumper Clear Live. That's right. They're going to do live. Brett, Freddie, TJ, and Casey. They're live at Charlotte Motor Speedway on Saturday in the Fan Zone after the Xfinity Series race, and that will be fun. Last but not least, this is actually last but best. This is the best part of White Flag. Friday, October 13th, mark your calendars and plan to be at Westgate Las Vegas Resort and Casino for Dirty Mo Live, Dale Jr. and Friends. That's right, we're going live to Vegas. A live show in Vegas. We are looking forward to this so much. We've been planning it. We've been getting together. We've been kind of, you know, getting our stories right. Boy, it's going to be a lot of fun. So, yeah, you got to get tickets, and here's how. Go to Ticketmaster or DirtyMoMedia.com slash live. That's right. Ticketmaster. They got a website. You can also get them on the Ticketmaster app. But DirtyMoMedia.com slash live also gets you there. By the way, speaking of Ticketmaster, each Ticketmaster ticket will come with a voucher for two free drinks. That's right. It would not be a Dirty Mo live show without free drinks. Free drinks. So come drink. Come drink. Have fun. We're going to have a lot of fun. 
going to be fun. It's Dale Jr. and Friends, Dirty Mo Live, Westgate Resort, and Casino. And that's it. I hope everybody has a great week. Got a lot of fun stuff coming up. And uh, check us out on social media. Leave us a rating and review. You know, we always love that. Dale Jr. will be back soon, hopefully. And yeah, we'll talk to you later. Check out Dirty Mo Media on Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram. Thank you.